It's said chi. to invigorate the chi. Adam Curry, John C. Dvorak. It's Sunday, November 20th, 2011. Time for your Gitmo Nation Media Assassination, Episode 358. This is No Agenda. Fighting the November Skeeters here at Camp Mofo in the center of the Lone Star State. In the morning, everybody, I'm Adam Curry. And from northern Silicon Valley, where the clouds of doom are forming overhead, I'm John C. Dvorak. We got clouds of doom here as well, by the way. Good. No, it's not good. It's, uh, it's, we're supposed to have 300 days of sunshine in, uh, in Austin. Who says this? The Is that right? Is that what they actually claim? Yeah, the Book of Knowledge claims that. Huh. Yeah. It's weird. We had, uh, let's see, on uh, uh, Friday, it was uh, very cold and windy. Really, we got like a windstorm. And then yesterday, all of a sudden, boop, 75 degrees. It was great. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And today, it's another 74 degrees in the morning here at uh, Camp Mofo, where I still have not done the uh, sound, uh, the acoustic uh, echo, de-echoing stuff. It's, uh, they don't have foam in Austin. You go order it by mail order. Yeah, I know. Well, that's what I wound up doing, but it wasn't in time for the show now, was it? So you're just going to get the, the the bumpy foam, that stuff? No, I mean, since I'm going to order it anyway, I figured I might as well get, like, the, the professional stuff. It's not that expensive. You know, just get a couple of those beautiful-looking tiles and just pop them on the wall here and there. Uh, I put up the green screens in the Camp Mofo studio. Uh, I got lights up, so that's helping a little bit, but um, it's not entirely there yet. Mm. Mm. Well... I don't know what the difference between the professional stuff is and the regular. Uh, <laughs> Nothing. It just looks better. <laughs> oh. People come in and go, hey, that looks professional. <laughs> That's the only difference. I'm uh, going with egg cartons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that has kind of a low-tech look to it. You think? <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. Anyway, in the morning to you, Johnny boy. In the morning to you, Adam Curry, and all. in the morning to all ships at sea. Uh, pilots in the air, which are probably not listening, boots in the ground, and also uh, feet in the air. Yes, indeed. And, of course, all of our human resources in the chat room at noagendastream.com, noagendachat.net. The stream now, by the way, uh, managed by Gitmo Slave and uh, Mr. Oil, and they've got, they've got, like, regular shows going on now. We've got, uh, what's this, uh, oh, I forget all the names. We got like a guy who's on live from England before us on uh, Oh, live from England. Yeah, yeah. It's uh what's Bit his? of all right. <laughs> well, it's, it's pretty cool. Um what's his name again? Oh, he's going now now I sound like Blair? a douchebag. No, no, it's not Blair. It's uh I'm just blanking on it for a second. Uh it'll it'll come to me. Lee Brown, that's his name. Lee Brown. Lee Brown? Lee, yes. Lee Brown. Hmm. And uh, he does a, he does a, I think he does a show every single day. It's Dirty Boxers, which I guess means uh, soiled underwear. Yeah, or either that <laughs> or, or fighters who, who play uh, unfairly. Unfairly, right, 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 right. And then we have, uh, I think we got a new show, like uh, Dan is doing a show after, uh, after the Sundays and Thursdays. I don't know. It's, uh, we got to get a schedule. I got to figure it all out, but it's nice. Anyway, uh, happy to see everyone show up once again, uh, coming to you from uh, Camp Mofo here in uh, Central Tejas, and I want to thank all of our human resources for 
uh, not only making this move possible through your support of the show, but check this out, John. Now I have... Yeah, check this. Oh, hold on. Here it is. He wanted to distance himself from the racial discussion. You hear it? And he did. That's the Obama Can you way hear of that? dealing with race. Yeah, what is it? Uh, now I have the TV C-SPAN hooked into my board since I was able to get a whole new setup. Oh, so we could we could be listening to C-SPAN in real time and making yeah. commentary? <laughs> yeah, exactly. We, we should just do that all the time. Hey, hey, yeah, we could do a 24-7 show with that. <laughs> yeah. Just hey, wake up, John. Hey, dude, yeah, dude, let's go watch some C-SPAN on the stream. Who's <laughs> that guy? Uh, it's boring today. It's, uh, what is it? It's book TV. But it, but it's cool because I, I got, uh, finally I got the DVR thing that, you know, for some reason, Time Warner Cable in Austin is so much more advanced than Los Angeles. Uh, here you've got the system where if you record something on one set, then you can go and, uh, and replay it on the other in a different room, which makes so much sense. Um, and I was watching. Uh, so last night I'm, I'm getting ready for the show. And now, of course, I can actually be preparing and, uh, and you know, sitting in the studio. And uh, Stossel was on. And this is the great. <laughs> this is the great thing about the setup. If I catch something that I really like, I can just rewind it a little bit, hit record in the studio on the board, and then I have the clip. Oh, yeah. oh that means we're going to be overclipped. No, not necessarily, because we're still, like, unpacking boxes, so it was pretty busy. I didn't, well, I didn't have my normal... My, yeah, I didn't have my normal... I didn't have my normal uh, opportunity to lounge and watch C-SPAN. Uh, but, you know, we've been trying to figure out this bullying thing for a long time, you know, what really the agenda is behind it. Yeah. Well, uh, Stossel had some guy on yesterday who's a, he has a foundation, which is, I think, FIRE is the name of it, like free uh, intellectual resource enterprise. Anyway, uh, they they fight for free speech on university campuses, and they have this whole list of, like, you know, Ivy League schools that suppress free speech, which, of course, doesn't surprise me, like Harvard and Yale. And he he said something. Kind they don't of, really suppress free, free speech. They just shout you down. It, well, yeah, exactly. And uh, he said something in passing, which all of a sudden hit me. And I'm like, oh, of course, that's what this bullying is all about. Check this out. Well, Harvey Silverglade has devoted his career to that question and to defending speech when it's censored or people who are punished for something they said. And now you say there are new threats to speech. Yes. Like what? Well, uh, the old threats we managed to beat mostly in court in the, and also in the court of public opinion. And so the censors have simply come up with new terms for speech they don't like. They call it harassment or, or they call it bullying. There you go. Hello. I buy that. Yeah. I mean, because, and, and, you know, of course, harassment is... This is something we've talked about on the show. I'm the guy that, you know, when, when I was at the MeVO office, when I still had a function there at a desk, um, you know, I would say to, uh, to women all the time, oh, you, you change your hair, it looks really pretty. And you would, like, cringe. Yeah, because yeah, like, I took the training. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't take the training. But, yeah, and, and to me, that's like an expression of my First Amendment right. You know, I should be able to say that. Uh, but in the in, it says sexual harassment in the state of California, right? Which of course is is really an infringement, a form of bullying. Yeah, but it's an infringement on my on my First Amendment right to free speech. The guy actually explains that very uh, situation and how free speech is supposed to work. 
unless, of course, you got indoctrinated by the shut up slave training which you took. Now, before bullying, the, the attack on speech came from feminists who said you can't just say anything in the workplace because certain things harass women. Right. Well, that was the harassment phase. They tried to restrict speech on the theory that harassment made it impossible for somebody in a historically disadvantaged group to get their work done, to study and get an education. And it might if you have a bunch of guys making cracks constantly about women, whites abusing blacks verbally. Well, you know, speech can be very unpleasant. <laughs> and it is the unpleasant speech that most needs protection. But what about the rights of the blacks or the women who are in ah, a place them. where there's horrible speech? Well, you've got a right to respond there you with go. horrible speech <laughs> if you are attacked with horrible speech. That's the company I want to work in. Oh, can you imagine? <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine. That's the way it should be. You guys shouting at each other. Hey, 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 oh, hey fuck you, hey, douchebag! No, you can't say that. You can say, well, I guess you can say that. Actually, what am I talking that's about? Free speech. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I think that's the way it should be. Oh, you would. You took that stupid online course. You have to go through five hundred pages. It's frightening. Yeah, and it's like the online drivers class. Like if you. If you click through too fast, it says, oh, I'm sorry. I don't think you actually were able to read that page that fast. Go back and do it again. <laughs> they have all those little gotchas in there. Yeah. I'll tell you, this course, this was a course that uh, was on, um, it was apparently the state of California requires a certain levels of management to have taken this course. Yeah. And so and you, apparently you never did. No, uh, I, 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 I got to, like, uh, page 13 and went, like, I can't do this. And I, I, and I never completed it. I thought it was fantastic because it goes into such detail about the kind because it, it gives you case law. It tells you the kinds of cases that came up. Some woman, you know, uh, sues over the most minor of offenses. It's almost as though you can't even talk to a woman in the workplace. Well, when I had, when I that's had, what this was basically all about. Shut up. Yeah. When I had my company uh, in New York. It wasn't even shut up slave. It was just shut, shut up. Shut up. Yeah. But when I had my company in New York, uh, uh, the, the company we took public, this was in the dot-com. Actually, we took it public a couple of years before the dot-com explosion. But when the, explo when, the, when the bubble started to happen, there were literally lawyers downstairs in front of the door. And a woman would walk out and, hey, hi, I'm, uh, you know so-and-so from this law firm and uh, form of ambulance chaser yeah well not, not just ambulance cha ambulance pusher i'd call him hey did, 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 any, did any of your bosses say anything inappropriate today and we would get sued all the time and we had insurance for that and the settlement would pretty much be for just about the amount that we were insured for that's the way it works it's a big scam the whole thing well, you know, the, the, uh, when you read, like if you've taken the course and you've seen some of the stuff, you realize that there are people, uh, and I believe that one woman who uh, went after uh, Herman Cain right. is one of them. Who, by the way, she, she has a background. On, she was, you know, was kind of hot, I have to say. Yeah, she's perfect for the job. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You'd be screwed for sure. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it uh -huh. seems as though there are people out there that actually make a living doing this. They go to work for a company under some pretense. They get the job, and then they look to get harassed, and then they sue the company, and they get, like, you know, half a mil, million dollars, whatever. And, and then they go to the next company because you can't carry – you can't – if they're looking for employment someplace else, you can't, as an employer, 
say that you were sued out of existence by this person no. because that's illegal. Yeah, you can't because there's another whole course on how to hire people, and those kinds of things can't be done. You can't be honest. It's amazing. Yeah. Well, I I try to sexually harass Miss Mickey as much as possible. She seems to like it. Well, until she sues you. <laughs> we had a, a scam guy show up at the door here the other day. Of course, you know, we've never really lived in a house, in an actual house in the street. And so this uh, white pickup truck, known as the Texas Cadillac, pulls up and guy jumps out. And immediately, you know, I'm like, okay, scam. I can feel it. You know, hey, you know, uh, I just uh, I just started this new company. It's uh, Capital Meats. And uh, have you ever heard of this? Oh, outfit? the meat guys. The meat guys. Have you heard of this scam? Uh, they came by here once, and I, and they're probably, and I started talking to him for a while, and they kept trying to. And the, by the way, the meat looks like it was frozen and cut with a buzz saw by a <laughs> exactly. frozen. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> these were the worst looking meat I've ever seen. But the, so these meat guys show up, and yeah. with all oh, we're here's this with this. Tell me, I'm not getting this uh, the same way you got it. Okay. Oh, we were in the neighborhood with one of our customers, <laughs> and they bought some meat from us. So we don't have any more chicken, but. But we've got some leftover meat. A whole box. And it's so frozen. we're offering it to locals. And, you know, you say, well, I said, well, you know, what's the price? And I, and I tell them that, for example, we just bought, and this is the, they throw this at them, and then they rush down the stairs and scurry off to the next place. We just bought a, uh, a part of a steer, or I think we bought the whole thing. For a uh, dollar a pound, which will be about a buck fifty after butchering, right? For the whole thing, you know, that's and so it averages a dollar a pound. These guys are selling for ten, <laughs> and I'm so I'm telling them, I said, you know, we're getting our stuff off the hoof for, uh, you know, in the in the countryside from uh, vendors yeah. that sell direct, right? For that most we pay is two fifty, two fifty a pound for everything. Why are you selling? Why are you? What's this big? Deal this great bargain you've got here for ten dollars a pound, which is really high. I liked. I liked. They were using the argument that because it's special, they can charge more. That's bullcrap. If you're selling stuff to right, you know, full steers, you're selling. You're not selling it for more money unless the the buyer's an idiot. I liked uh, our guy who's like, uh, so um, what will it take for me to get this into your freezer today? <laughs> like, no, he did not. Yes, I'm like, do you, no. have, a, do you have a sham wow in your truck as well? What's going on, what? dude? Is he a used car dealer? <laughs> exactly. And he had, you know, and the, and the typical telltale sign, he had his arms crossed, you know, it's like, you know, like big body language. So I just called the guy's bluff. I said, get your meat, bring it over here. I had him unpack the whole thing, had him show me everything. He says, nah, nah, man. Show me your pamphlet. Oh, we just ran out of pamphlets. Oh, okay. <laughs> just, I just kept haranguing him. You know, this could be like contaminated beef for all you. Be. Who knows? It didn't look all that healthy. It looked kind of blackened, actually. It wasn't. Yeah, uh, it's probably something. Somebody left, you know, something bad happened to that meat. Yeah. Hey, we got to figure out your router. I mean, you're okay, but it's not great. Well, I don't know. Maybe somebody's downloading something. So, um, I think Occupy Wall Street is... Uh, is very entertaining and interesting uh, with uh, all the things that happened over the past couple of days. Um, we have the big pepper spray incident at, uh, wasn't that in your neck of the woods? It was in uh, Davis, which is up north of me. Yeah, great video. We'll have it on the, uh, on the site. This video, and then there's a good article in The Atlantic written by uh, Fallows, who is apparently very upset by watching this video. 
you had a group of students, about 20 students, that locked arms and blocked a small walkway in the middle of a huge green area, and they're very easy to walk around. Yeah. And so the cops told them to move, and they said, we will not be moved. And so then some dick cop with a huge can of the worst-looking pepper spray, it looked like a can of paint when it was coming out, just walked along in front of each one of them. <laughs> like, it, like he was spray-painting a car. No, it was more like spraying bugs. I think it's like spraying <laughs> insects. This is what they think of the public. Some of these, they see the public, they see the students as insects. Yeah. <laughs> and they're spraying it with a can of, of insect insecticide. It was, re- it was really quite amazing to me. It w- I was really like, wow, this is, that's like, pretty blatant. So casual. And then when the news stories start coming out, they said, well, we're just defending ourselves. Yeah, right. What a loser. It's like that bubble cop. Remember that guy? You know, if that bubble touches me, uh, you're going to oh, be arrested. Oh, right. right. You get, yeah, yeah. Up in Canada, yeah, wasn't that? Cop. This is a Canadian. It happened in Canada about, I don't know, a year ago or so. Yeah. yeah. And, and now everybody started, you know, mo- well, you know yeah. mocking the guy. The guy lost his job and, and he got shamed into uh, having to leave town and go someplace else and he was moaning about it. He deserved that. You know, I, I got I got to figure out these people. I mean, this cop this, who casually blasted all these guys, hospitalizing a few of them, uh, he needs to be called out. And then the, the chancellor of the university, some woman who's an engineer who's now asking for a 90 day. She's going to she, well, well, you have to do a study and we'll report back in 90 days. She should be fired. The University of California needs to get its act together. This is abhorrent. Hey, John, uh, is it possible that your mic is out of phase or something? Uh, no, it's, there's nothing's changed. Why, do I, did my little rant not come through? No, you're, you're coming through, but it, you sound like, um, like you're talking um, out of your anal cavity. It, it, it really doesn't sound right. I don't know what it is. Huh. The only thing I could possibly, it would have to be the... Could it, could it, be, your, could it be your anal cavity? Or could, could... Oh, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Could it be your preamp or something is is hosed? I mean, it's... Uh, I'm using a dynamic mic. You've changed microphones? No, this is the same mic I always use. It's the PR40. But uh, are, do you have your preamp uh, installed? There's no preamp for a, pre, for a PR40. You go right through the D to A converter into the machine. Blech. Yeah, well, it sounds like crap. I'm just telling you. It doesn't sound right. Why it sounds like crap is probably your side. No, I don't think so. You sound perfect. Yeah, because I'm perfect. Let me see. Uh, let me see if something uh, changed over here. Did you get an update on Skype or something? Nope. No, no update on Skype. Let me see. No, I haven't changed anything, man. It's very annoying. I mean, you literally sound. Let me see. Any- and we have all the other machines are off. And that's not it. It's uh, it's something else. I think it's this. Well, I could reboot this machine. I don't think it's the machine. Well, it could be the machine. It I- seems unlikely. It sounds it's really because I had to crank your volume way up. It sounds like you're like something's wrong with your Skype. Well, well did, hmm. you want to reboot Skype? Uh, I can do that. I don't think that's going to do the trick. But I'll try. We got to do something because this is uh, it's driving you nuts. It's not well. I mean, the whole chat room is also saying that. You know, hey, the Vorak sounds like crap. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like you're talking through a kazoo. 
right, I'll, I'll pause the recording for right. a second, and then uh, and you go. Uh, I could try a different mic. Maybe this the mic's connected. Right? Oh, that's cool. Maybe yeah. My mic is blowing out. Yeah, you know what? Uh, just disconnect and connect a new mic live. That's always a cool sound. Well, I'm sorry. What? <laughs> disconnect your mic and then put a new one on live. That's a, hey, that's always. To, no, that's not good. That's a that's a uh, that's a condenser. Go into there and there's a there's a package on the shelf in a black little pouch. <laughs> it's sitting right in front of you. It's a, it's about eye level. This, ladies and gentlemen, it's is the Dorak compound, the buzzkill bunker at work. No, it's a black pouch to your left. Between your legs, the black pouch. Grab the pouch. I'll just have to go get it. <laughs> hey, man, have you just trained those kids properly? Don't they know how to how to get a pouch? Oh, man. Well, we'll do the Gitmo Nation National Anthem while John is doing that. Hold on, here we go. Well, ladies and gentlemen, please rise for your Gitmo Nation National Anthem. And you may sing along if you wish. In the morning, Gitmo Nation. We are all charged up to be human resources and service in all lands and all ships at sea. From the east to west, down under to the lowlands and beyond. We are happy and distracted slaves in our Gitmo Right. Okay, tell me how I sound on this. Is, this is a President Obama's mic. Sounds better. It sounds better? Now you, now you sound a little over-modulated. <sighs> give, me, give me a little level. Testing one, two, three, four, five, six. Oh, it is. It's, it's louder. Hold on. Let me turn my side down. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Yeah, this is a SM whatever. That yeah, everyone thinks it sounds worse. Sounds worse? Yeah, is that the Shure SM7? Yeah, or 76 or whatever yeah, it is. The one Obama used. Piece of crap. No, no. <laughs> it's a piece of crap. <laughs> piece of crap. How come Obama sounds so good with this mic? All right. Well, you want to use this one or you want to switch back to the other one? I don't care. This one sounds back a little cleaner, a little, less, a little less dynamics in it, but you know, we got to move. We got a show to do, man. <laughs> John just disconnected mid sentence. <laughs> Hello? I'm back. Yeah. All right. Who knows? Hello? Yes, testing. Okay. Yeah, yeah sounds crap. It's all right. Uh, we'll fix it after the show. You're audible. Uh, you can't fix it after the show. Well, no, we can't fix the show. It just, this one sounds, it, it sounds like it's blown up, really. Well, the other mic sounded bad. Well, maybe my, my audio device is gone. I don't think so. Something is broken. Okay, and, let me see what we got here. Really? Uh, I'm going to pause now. I'm going to unplug and replug in the uh, USB connection. And you're plugged in again. Okay, enough of that. Uh, we'll have to figure it out. Uh, it's been better. Anyway, uh, back to the show, John. We're good. <laughs> Hello. Yeah, Hello. Yeah, sorry. Hello, back to the show. We were talking about Occupy Wall Street. Yeah, the, the little program. We, you know, the best podcast in the universe. Oh, the best podcast in the universe. Yeah, what about it? Yeah. So we're talking about Get Occupy it. Wall Street. No, stop. <laughs> talking about uh, the Occupy movement. And a lot of this seems to be, you know, so this pepper spray thing. At UC Davis, right. This is, this is all set up. I mean, the whole, first of all, 
you know, we've and we we've already identified that there's like you know agent provocateurs amongst them, and it's it's you know they even come out and say it. Was it uh, when they uh, when they cleared out uh, Zuccotti Park? Yeah, yeah they had uh, th- hundreds of uh, private security uh, contractors. It wasn't just right. cops. Apparently, there's some consulting group that's behind a lot of this too. Yeah, <laughs> you think <laughs> a nice little consulting gig? Yeah, they probably come out of Blackwater. Yeah, or something like that. And then, and this little ditty showed up on the BBC, where of course, uh, stupid guys uh, in America. I think, eh, no, eh, it's just some England. No one's going to be listening to this. Little do they know that the No Agenda Army is all over this. Listen to what he says about the arrests made uh, in New York. We had uh, uh, a number of arrests at the base of the bridge, but these were actually prearranged uh, with the police department by uh, uh, demonstrators who wanted to show a kind of symbolic uh, uh, arrest of 99 people. Uh, but actually, there are only 65 ended up being arrested. But that was done in sort of uh, negotiations with us. <laughs> okay, who do they talk to about that? <laughs> the negotiators. The negotiators. Like, hey, you know, uh, why don't, we'll sit here and then you just come and arrest us. And uh, we want to be 99 of us. But I guess they couldn't get their quota. I mean, that tells you right there that this thing is rigged. Well, that's assuming that this guy's not just some phony. He was like the, I can tell you who he was. He was like some uh, police muckety-muck. He, he, no, he wasn't a phony. Well, I mean, I don't think he was a phony. Uh, let's see, what was this? Uh, Deputy Commissioner of Public Information, Paul Brown. That seems like a real dude. Public information for who? For the New York uh, City Police Department. Paul Brown? Yeah, with an E at the end. Paul Brown with an E on the end. Well, that's easy enough to look up. (laughs) B-R-O-W-N-E. Deputy Commissioner of Public Information for the New York Police Department. There's a little tagline here while you're looking that up. Told us where they were going to sit, wanted it to be observed, and then they were arrested without any kind of resistance that we've seen in some of the early arrests. More classic civil disobedience that you would associate with the uh, civil rights movement in the United States. I don't think the civil rights movement got arrested uh, uh, through a negotiation. <laughs> I don't recall that. Wow. <laughs> That's bogus. Yeah, this guy's a real guy if that was him. Mm-hmm. Wait a minute. Is that is that the definition of bogative? Bogative? Yeah, this guy would be bogative. He was totally or, I mean, bogative. No, no, the whole, no, the episode would be bogative. Okay. He bogative be- meaning false, but bogus is false, but not necessarily negative. Negative would be bogative, negative false, bogative. <laughs> I don't understand how to use the word. I tried it yesterday. It's not working out. It's bogative. It's, uh, it's, you have to remember O'Reilly actually in, in, uh, invented this word by trying to say bogus <laughs> and negative at the same time. Okay. And he couldn't figure out which one to say, and he said bogative. Right. So, so was, this guy is bogative. Well, I, think, I don't think the guy's bogative. He's not bogative. He's a real person. I think the whole scene is bogative. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Soon this will... Are we already in the Urban Dictionary with bogative? Not yet. No, we've still got to get a, a, good, a good definition because I've gotten into a couple of debates with people who seem to want... I don't know what they're looking for to make it. I mean, I know what it means. Oh, it he- means- hello. Hello. Urban Dictionary. Ladies and gentlemen, here it is. Bogative. <laughs> <laughs> when many things are bogus, they group or plural is bogative. 
Oh, that's not right. And even worse, it says Bill O'Reilly stated there were bogative reviews of his new book. Hello, this is not okay. This is not the correct definition, nor is it the correct attribution. No, of course not. I'm doing thumbs down. Thumbs down. Yeah, hit the, yeah, everyone should go to the Urban Dictionary and change it. Thumbs down. It's a combination of the words bogus and negative. Can you change that? Like Wikipedia, can you change the Urban Dictionary? I, I don't know. How you, how did, I have no idea how that's done. This is we have a few of them from the blog that got in there, like Embiggen. Yeah, well, Embiggen is good. I get that one. Bogative is, anyway, it's not, it's not right. It's not plural, it, bogus. And it's not right. So I've been uh, uh, tracking this uh, the second mile thing, as I promised. And it's been very, very hard because we've been unpacking, you know, 342 boxes of what turns out to be crap. It's amazing how that works. You move and you're like, hey, what's this? Oh, that's just a, bo- a box of crap. And then the only definition is, is it my crap or your crap? Uh, it's amazing how much crap one accumulates. Oh, it's crazy. So um, I got a uh, an interesting note from someone uh, who doesn't want to be named. But he says, please take the opportunity to call out Nike and its leadership as a bunch of douchebags for refusing to change the name of their on-campus daycare center at Penn State, currently known as the Joe Paterno Child Development Center. (laughs) God. It's one thing to have a golf-themed building named after Tiger Woods, but having a child care center named after Joe Paterno is just wrong. And uh, he says, on that note, uh, Mr. Parker, the president, uh, the current president and CEO of Nike, is a Penn State alumni. He's also known to have an, an, an obsession with toys. Hmm. It gets deeper, I'm telling you. This, this, yeah, this, whole, we'll thing, this whole thing is sick. Well, first of all, it, I mean, you don't want to send your kid to the Joe Paterno Child Development Center. That doesn't sound right. You got to agree with me there. So uh, I got a couple of anonymous notes. Douche. I got one. Uh, the guy who sent you the CIA coin sent a couple more CIA oh, coins. Oh, really? I was moaning. Yeah, well, that's nice. And, of course, he doesn't say who he is. But these are the newer coins. So, you, so mine has Panetta on the back, and you have... Yeah, no, the Panetta coins are all now rare. Right, right. And then all, out of the blue, somebody else sent one. The guy will go. He says, I'll go by the name Don Solaris. Okay. Or I'll call you John Curry or Adam Dvorak. That would be me. And then he he, he sent the coin that he got from the, the CIA shop through a remailer. And then he, but you kind of see, all, then he, he said, he wouldn't say who he is, obviously. And then the key, I think, that was interesting was uh, to send a, well, you can't identify somebody's handwriting. Yeah. You write the address in block letters. Don't you, didn't he like cut it out of a newspaper? Isn't that the way you're supposed to do it? Well, the block letters seem to probably be pretty effective because okay. it's uh, like you got a ruler and you just, you know, write with block, you know, right. it's very easy right. to do. All right. But yeah, I think, you know, who knows? But anyway, he gave a, a, he sent another CIA challenge coin, only one. And this one's interesting because it's essentially the same, both sides are identical. So it's not a coin that you can flip for heads or tails. Oh, it sounds like standard issue with the CIA. Let me see. Exactly. Who, do, who do we drone? Right. Heads we drone, tails we don't. Oh, boy, I'm so sorry. Yeah, now we have to drone you. <laughs> it's a trick coin. So did he send you a, a clip of something, or just is this is just the coins that he sent? Just a coin. No, oh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> Outrageous. 
anyway, so um, we do get some stuff in the mail, but we uh, we didn't get a lot in the mail or over the or a uh, lot of, Yeah, no, we didn't. This was unfortunately. Uh, well, and, we kind of uh, expected that to happen. Uh, it being the you know, this is the Thanksgiving week when everyone is traveling in the United States of Gitmo Nation, by far still our top uh, donating country. Although we have a lot of donors from uh, down under in Australia. Uh, oh, oh! Speaking of Australia, before we get to thanking our, did you producers, watch too? Did I watch what? Oh, uh, I guess not. What? What did you watch? The Australian Parliament. No, I didn't. No, no, no. What happened? Ah, oh, it's 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 weird. I have a couple of clips. We'll should play after the donation or after we thank our executive producers. But it's like it's just it's hilarious uh, i'll explain uh, in a minute well what i was going to say is that uh, i you know this rotational deployment thing that we talked about we even named uh, uh, the title of the last show was about rotational deployment this is our marines and naval ships and aircraft carriers and god knows what else all uh, being stationed now in australia and i got a couple of notes um some of them were tweets that basically said rotational deployment equals vacation uh, the one I trust the most actually is from Atomic Rod Adams. He says uh, it's a term that Marines use when they're not going to station Marines in a place long enough to move their families to live there. Typically, the, mar- the military uses mm. permanent change of station orders when members will be in a single location for at least a year. So that's not what this is. Le- less than that is covered by temporary additional duty, T.A.D. Uh, the Army calls them T.D.Y. orders, temporary duty yonder. Family moves are not provided in TAD situations. There are several reasons why rotational deployment are used, but in this case, it is probably a financial issue. Moving families to Australia would be popular for the individual Marines, but it would be darn expensive for the taxpayers. Uh, but it's, I think I like the, uh, the basic vacation idea the most. So I think instead of sending our troops home, you get rotational deployment to Australia, get to hang out there, you know, drink some beers. Oh, it sounds like something from a Star Trek episode where they have these strange bases and these weird planets that are nothing more than vacation spots. Yeah, with that bar with all the weirdos at it. Well, that's Star Wars. Oh, sorry. So anyway, yeah, that's a possibility. They're just turning it. So the deal is, hey, uh, you Aussies, what we're going to do is set up a base. But it's not, don't worry about it. What it really is is a place to drop our guys off so they can take a cheap vacation. Yeah. And they'll be spending their money there. And they won't be bothering anybody because God knows, uh, you know, 2,500 drunk Marines never get into trouble with anyone. I think the hooker population in Australia just got more interesting. <coughs> Especially around Perth. So uh, No, they're in Darwin, I think. So you remember what uh, President Obama said when he was in Australia, right? The United States of America has no stronger ally than Australia. So a um, little bit of research... Brings us to the following statements from El Presidente. The United States has no closer ally and no stronger partner than Great Britain. The United States has no closer partner than Europe. We don't have uh, a stronger friend and a stronger ally uh, than uh, Nicolas Sarkozy uh, and the French people. The Republic of Korea is one of our strongest allies. The United States and Canada are not simply allies, uh, not simply neighbors. Uh, We are woven together like perhaps no uh, other two countries in the world. Sounds like he friends everybody on Facebook, doesn't it? This reminds me of the, uh, the, the 
medley that was done of one of the authors. I forgot which one, but they somebody decided to do this. Some author on a book tour. Yeah. And, you know, every town. Oh, I love Cleveland. You know, it's my favorite town. Well, if you listen to Obama, he does that, too. He always says, it's great to be back in fill in the blank. He does the same thing. You can do this with this guy all the time. It's always, it's great. And I see some of our, the great senators are here, great congressmen. It's always the same thing. And they're always in the house, by the way. Like, he's, like you know, he's still stuck in the days of Arsenio Hall. Yeah, congressman is in the house. Idiot. Does he say in the house? Yeah, all the time. All the time. In the house. <laughs> Arsenio. In the house. <laughs> remember Arsenio? Oh, most, yeah. Most people listen to the show are too young to remember Arsenio. It's been so yeah. long. Arsenio. All right, let's thank some of our uh, producers because some people did uh, luckily check in to help us out so that uh, I can at least afford the Well, we only bill. have we have three executive producers that, that came in, uh, and then we don't have no associated executive producers and very few donors. We do have a few we'll talk about later. Uh, this is just a bad, uh, not a particularly good show for getting uh, anybody to help us. But we do have three we want to thank, including Eric Hertha, soon to be knighted Eric Hertha out of Coral Gables, Florida. I'm actually in Gitmo Nation, no income taxes, the Bahamas. Ooh. That's where he really is. Donation for me and the hospitalitybusinessnews.com. Thanks for the show. This should put me over the top. Uh, it does, indeed. It does. There. it does. That's great. Great to see you. Victor Gonzalez, or Sir Victor Gonzalez, actually, from Gitmo Nation, Bunga Bunga, uh, which is Italy, I believe. Mm-hmm. I got almost instant karma when a fellow knight pitched in what I needed to start enjoying hookers and blow. <laughs> it works. Well, I, I'd love to know the backstory on I that one. I don't know what he just, just throws this in. So here I am again asking for more. I'm writing. He needs some uh, karma. Yeah, hold on a second. Lo- love to hand it out. You've got... Karma. There you go. He's writing this on 11, 11, 11, but because I can't donate the customary, I have, I'm have. i going for the cheaper binary version, converting 11, 11, 11 to 333, which I hope is equally adequate. Yeah, works for me. Good work. He actually gave us 333. Beautiful. And another 333.33. And by the way, uh, Eric Hurst would also be a member of the 39. Oh, it's not 398. It's 358. Oh, I don't know. Michael Zelina Baron. Well, did, did Zelina no, get a I, Baron? I don't, I don't, think, think, I don't so. think he got a Baron. Oh, he calls himself Baron Mike. Oh, okay. Let's well, keep these titles correct. Yeah, and no, let's just call him we Mike. We have one Baron. Baron Mike from Cleveland, Ohio, he says, checking in with some lucky 333.33 cash as a test of the no agenda karma. I'd like to request some karma for the Cleveland Brown. <laughs> no, we do not do, uh, even though you're a knight, we do not do, because we did that for the USC team, and it turned out to backfire on everyone. Wait a minute. Now, if he wants to request karma for the football team, that should be his prerogative. Well, this sounds like we need to discuss this. Do we he need says, a our poor team needs all the help we can get. Adam, hope the new digs are good. I enjoyed your one minute of Austin. Um, okay, we'll do this one more time, but I refuse to do this anymore. Okay. The Cleveland Browns karma. <laughs> is that the meeting? Is Do we just, is, does this conclude the meeting? We'll put that I in the meeting along with your side. Yeah, okay. You've got karma. By, by the way, the um, he said, I enjoyed your one minute of Austin. That was really funny. I recorded one minute in the morning of uh, of the audio while I was sitting out on the on the deck here. And of course, you hear nothing except, a, you know, a bird or two. I'd say 80 percent of the tweets that came back were like, hey, man, the audio is no good. I don't hear anything. <laughs> <laughs> That's the whole point. It's so nice here. 
It's so <laughs> quiet. And you don't hear the drones at all. I mean, I think they're at altitude. So you, you should you have know. made it one minute. You should do one minute for all these places you go. One minute of L.A. would have been hilarious. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I could do an, a minute of, we do a minute of Oakland. That'll be very entertaining. <laughs> Gunshots, sirens. <laughs> Here's John with his one minute of Oakland, everybody. All right, we highly appreciate the support, and of course, uh, we'd like you to continue to think of us as we are uh, coming up on the fake holiday known as Thanksgiving. Please go to Dvorak.org/na and uh, consider a donation there. Now you can also go to uh, ChannelDvorak.com/na and uh, NoAgendaNation.com. And as one uh, PR mentioned, uh, we haven't had a lot of. Uh, PR efforts going on recently, uh, although I do have, and maybe we play this at the end, I've got uh, uh, Maynard from uh, Australia. He's been interviewing Knights, which is uh, pretty cool, and he interviewed N3PO, N3, yeah, N, N3PO um, which is it's entertaining to listen to. Uh, well, Maynard's how, a pro. Yeah, well, uh, Maynard's a massive pro. He's got a great voice. Yeah. Uh, I did want to uh, mention noagendanation.com slash jobs, and this will be linked in the show notes at 358.nashownotes.com. From that very page, the first step in any vast conspiracy is to infiltrate various organizations with your shills and puppets. So No Agenda Nation shill placement service will help you find a job. The way it works is you fill out your information, and uh, noagendanation.com actually goes and uh, crawls all kinds of sites uh, with job openings to find something in your yeah, geographical actually, it, it location. Yeah, all the uh, job sites, and I think it goes into the back door of Craigslist and looks at every everyone from all over the country. Yeah, it's very cool, and it's good, and it's, a, it's an additional service brought to you by uh, the fine people at noagendanation.com. Of course, everyone else, you do have a mission that uh, we'd like you to carry out. We have a formula. You need to go out and propagate it. Our formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. Everybody, shut up, slaves. There we go. Now good. Hey, by the way, uh, John, uh, I should say, happy National Family Week to you. Oh, is it Family Week? Yes. Uh, does that start on today, or does it start yesterday? It starts. Or it last well, week, it starts. It, up? it starts today. Huh? Officially today, uh, National Family Week, and uh, this is by presidential proclamation. And we could also, uh, we could, if you want to laugh, we could also talk about uh, uh, about the Thanksgiving holiday because the uh, uh, the president, you know, he he has to proclaim the holiday, right? Did you know that? He does. Yeah, yeah. Let me just go to uh, WhiteHouse.gov. So National Family Week is a part of the Home for the Holidays program that the White House has running right now. Um, and uh, let me just go to, uh, let me go to the briefing room, presidential actions. This is pretty funny. Uh, so he, he has proclaimed uh, the 24th of November as uh, Thanksgiving Day 2011, presidential procl- proclamation. Uh, um, this paragraph will irk you. One of our nation's oldest and most cherished traditions. Oh, no. <laughs> Thanksgiving Day brings us closer to our loved ones and invites us to reflect on the blessings that enrich our lives. The observance recalls the celebration of an autumn harvest centuries ago when the 
Wampanoag tribe joined the pilgrims at Ply- Plymouth Colony to share in the fruits of a bountiful season. <laughs> the feast honored the Wampanoag for generously extending their knowledge of local game and agriculture to the pilgrims. And today we renew our gratitude to all American Indians and Alaska natives. They making this, they're making they're making they're adding to this bullcrap story. We take this time to remember the ways that the first Americans have enriched our nation's heritage after we pooped on them. Uh, from their generosity centuries ago to the everyday contributions they make to all facets of American life. As we come together with friends, family, and neighbors to celebrate, let us set aside our daily concerns and give thanks for the providence bestowed upon us as we all live the American dream of just getting by. Okay, I made that one up, that last bit. Um, so, yeah, do you want to tell us the true story? Well, I was going to save it for the Thanksgiving show. Okay. Well, this will be a teaser then. Yeah, it's bull. It's a, Thanksgiving <laughs> bull was a, uh, generally speaking, after some war battle, the president would declare that we'd have a day of Thanksgiving for the soldiers. And the current Thanksgiving that we're dealing with actually began in the 1860s. And it was a proclamation by Lincoln to thank the soldiers that fought in the Civil War. And it was a day of Thanksgiving. Well, here's what and, he, here's what. And then somewhere along the line, somebody dreamed up this cock and bull story about the pilgrims <laughs> and the Indians. And <laughs> and then now it's, you know, people complain about it like that woman we had the clip from yeah. last week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, here, here he says, though our traditions have evolved, the spirit of grace and humility at the heart of Thanksgiving has per- persisted through every chapter of our story. When President George Washington proclaimed our country's first Thanksgiving. He praised a generous and knowing God for shepherding our young republic through its uncertain beginnings. That doesn't sound right. Decade. No, that's not even, that's, that, that's another, that's another boat because they actually, there were earlier harvest festivals and Thanksgivings that predated Washington. So that's not even right. Decades later, president. This is, bull, this is the, you know what? This is associative. Obama and his boys think, look, we'll associate ourselves with Washington. They'll love us if we do that. Decades later, President Abraham Lincoln looked to the divine to protect those who had known the worst of civil war and to restore the nation to, quote, to the full enjoyment of peace, harmony, tranquility, and union. Well, I think that's probably accurate. Okay, so that's the one line then that's accurate. Oh, you got to throw something in there. Oh, I see. Today, let us offer gratitude to our men and women in uniform for their many sacrifices. Oh, now it's about, now this has become a war holiday. (laughs) Great. This is great. And then he does something else really weird. Let's go shoot shoot a turkey. Yeah. Hey. Damn. Ow. Ow. In witness whereof I have hereunto set my hand this 16th day of November in the year of our Lord, 2011. And this is new. And of the independence of the United States of America, the 236th. What, are we counting down or something until it's over? That's weird. Uh, That's weird. Anyway, bogative. Well, I do have a kind of, I don't know, maybe a, a kind of a family-oriented clip of some sort. I... I, I this was, should have been run in the last show, but I do have the clip describing and, and just see if you can find one bogus or bogative, one bogative uh, assertion after another. This is a guy, uh, a newspaper guy, describing to Democracy Now! Uh, the um, 
Let's see what the name of this clip is. Idiot shooting at the White House. You know, the guy took a driving along. Just listen to this story the way it's described. And tell me this doesn't sound like a just a set up bull crap story. I mean, for one thing, they you know, we talked about this guy a little bit last show. The guy was is now charged with trying to assassinate the president. The president was in Australia. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was a long shot. It was a lot. What is he going to shoot in the air, hoping to maybe the uh, the trade winds catch the bullet? I mean, what is this bull crap? But play this little clip. How it developed. Well, so we know that gunfire was heard a little after 9 p.m. on gunfire. Friday. That was, of course, a federal holiday. The Obamas were out of town, although we don't know if their daughters were in the White House. Daughters. Is this how we pronounce daughters on Democracy Now? Daughters. That's what's interesting about. Listen, he says that the, the, the Secret Service won't say whether the daughters were in the house. This says to me that this whole thing was just a scam, and the daughters were actually removed from the place if they were there. I don't know why they left them home alone while they were in Australia, but it's possible. Would it, to get them out of there, because, they, you know, just in case this guy gets lucky, you right. know, this, this phony. But anyway, finish. ...were in the White House at the time, and the Secret Service won't say. What the complaint made clear was that there were several witnesses who saw this dark Honda Accord pull up on, in, on Constitution Avenue in front of the White House, and gunshots were fired out of its passenger side window. We have the person who was in the car behind it said this, and someone who was on the street also said they saw this happen, and the car sped off. And then six, uh, a few minutes later, about six blocks away, the, the driver of the car abandoned it on the lawn of the National Institute of Peace, right by the bridge to the Potomac River. And inside this car, authorities found a semi-automatic rifle, nine spent uh, shell casings, lots of other ammunition, brass knuckles, a baseball bat, a Walmart receipt. I'm going to go assassinate the president with my baseball bat. This is it. a Walmart receipt. Yeah. <laughs> I bought it at Walmart. And a jacket that had L.A. written on it in the form uh, of the Los Angeles Dodgers baseball yeah, team logo. Right. And it turned out this car had was had a license plate from Idaho. They were able to link it to Mr. Ortego Hernandez. And, indeed, he had been photographed twice earlier on Friday yeah. wearing that jacket. Once, as you mentioned earlier, when the Arlington County police stopped him and then let him go because he had done nothing, uh, committed no crime at that point and was unarmed. But they did take his pictures. And also what? they went to a Walmart and found a surveillance tape of him wearing <laughs> that jacket. Don't wear a Dodgers jacket. This is this is the message here. Don't yeah, wear I mean, the Dodgers did, did jacket. Did you hear this story? Well, first of all, I thought it was an AK-47. That is by well, no means not. semi-automatic. That's that's a full automatic uh, weapon. Well, whatever it was, first let's take a look at this. The guy drives up to the street, takes a couple of shots out the window, boom, boom, yeah, three. It's, it's D.C., duh, that happens all the time, just not on and Pennsylvania so he, Avenue. He, so he keeps driving, and then for some unknown reason, abandons his car in front of the Institute of Peace. <laughs> With his Walmart receipt. With his Walmart receipt and a uh, a bunch, which gave him the opportunity to find the did he leave his CIA did he leave his CIA challenge coin in the car? That's the question. <laughs> he left a baseball bat and brass knuckles. <laughs> which I mean, come on, what is this a 1930s movie? I tell you what we do. Let's put some brass knuckles. Yeah, in Yeah, we'll go mess him up. And, and then he got, but and then it, coincidentally, earlier in the day, he was arrested, or no, pulled over for something, but he did nothing wrong, but they took his picture anyway. I think not! And then they took his picture at the Walmart for some unknown reason. <laughs> Give me a break. It's Now, the only problem is 
that he wasn't white. This is the only thing that went wrong because, you know, we know that he the... Looked, when I saw his picture, I thought he was white. I thought he looked like, like some no. sort of an extreme uh, white, you know, survivalist type or so, something. So, you know, the two theories that... I, thank you, darling. The two theories that I've been hearing about is one is like a Fast and Furious... Uh, like a Mex- the Mexican gangs are out to get him. So that was pretty funny. Oh yeah, good. Yeah, they're so. <laughs> so they're shooting at the White House while the president's in Australia. Right. Yeah, the, that makes sense. Well, they didn't, we didn't say they were smart gangs, you know. Uh, and then the other one is, you know, this is a part of the the racial tension that we're supposed to be ramping up against the president, which is predicted and is in the red book even. But it didn't quite fit in with this guy being a Spanish. Well, this was a poorly operate. This operationally, if this was done under, I mean, whatever it was, I mean, it actually makes the whole thing. None of it makes any sense. This was a, a botched something yeah. by someone, right? And dumb. Ah, <laughs> uh, one of the uh, the most emailed clips. Uh, I'm sure you got a copy of it. You might you might have even posted it on uh, on your blog there, your little blog thingy. Is uh, Nigel org slash blog yeah, thing? Yeah, thingy. Is uh, Nigel Farage? Oh, I love this Nigel Farage clip. Yeah, this is. In fact, he kind of corroborates everything that we've been saying about the global banker takeover of Europe. We have uh, the shill going into Greece. We've got the shill going into uh, into Italy. Uh, both have Goldman Sachs ties, and there's an, actually there's a. An interesting follow-on to that, which I'll get to right after uh, we listen to uh, Sir Nigel, who uh, people in the UK don't like. I don't understand this. I don't understand people who I read blogs and people who I really respect and like, you know, for their opinion. People don't like him. I don't understand why. Maybe it's rigged. Maybe they. Maybe the public likes him, and some people are paid not to like him to make it seem as though no one likes him. Because I don't see anyone. Any, he's very British. Uh, he seems like he's gotten the right side of the argument. I, why would people dislike him? I don't know. It's the UK Independent Party that people maybe don't like. UKIP, but you know. But even people who don't like him uh, are, are thinking this is a pretty good uh, rant he went on. Well, here we are on the edge of a financial and social disaster. And in the room today, we have the four men who were supposed to be responsible. And yet we've listened to the dullest, most technocratic speeches I've ever heard. You are all in denial. By any objective measure, the euro is a failure. And who is actually responsible? And who's in charge out of you lot? <laughs> well, of course, the answer is none of you, because none of you have been elected. None of you actually have any democratic legitimacy for the <laughs> roles that you currently hold within this crisis. And into this vacuum albeit reluctantly, has stepped Angela Merkel. And we are now living, we are now living in a German-dominated Europe. <laughs> Where have I heard that before? Did that ever happen in history, John? I, could you look up in the Book of Knowledge of Germany? Let me check it. I don't know if Germany has ever dominated Europe in the past. Uh, could this be uh, one of those fractal thingies you speak of all the time? Something that the European project was actually supposed to stop. Something that those that went before us actually paid a heavy price in blood to prevent. I don't want to live in a German-dominated Europe, and nor do the citizens of Europe. By the way, while they're doing this, the camera keeps cutting to that German douchebag. What's his name again? Uh, yeah, that guy. I don't know his name. With the, he's with the laughing. Ball. Yeah, he's like, blah, 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 blah. this is you, Schwein. You and I, you Schwein. You will be the first one who stands because we got You off. will be in the prison. You will, you will be in the camp. I have a train ride for you, Nigel. But you guys have played a role, because when Mr. Papandreou 
got up and used the word referendum, or Mr Wren, you described it as a breach of confidence, and your friends here got together like a pack of hyenas, rounded on Papandreou, had him removed and replaced by a puppet government. What an absolutely disgusting spectacle that was. And not satisfied with that, you decided that Berlusconi had to go. <laughs> so he was removed and replaced by Mr Monti, a former European Commissioner, a fellow architect of this Euro disaster, and a man who wasn't even a member of the Parliament. And here comes the best line. It's getting like an Agatha Christie novel, where we're trying to sort of work out who's the next person that's going to be bumped off. The difference is we know who the villains are. <laughs> Uh, I hope he checks under his car before he gets into it. You should all be held accountable for what you've done. You should all be fired. And I have to say, Mr. Van Rompuy, 18 months ago when we first met, um, I was wrong about you. I said you'd be the quiet assassin of nation-state democracy, but you're not anymore. You're rather noisy about it, aren't you? You, an unelected man, went to Italy and said, this is not the time for elections, but the time for actions. What in God's name gives you the right to say that to the Italian people? <laughs> well, because he's Haiku Herman, and his face is priceless. That guy, oh, yeah. he, he doesn't take criticism very well. He, yeah, he, he just sits there going, uh, 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 he's writing haikus. He's like, so, you uh, know, I, I didn't, I, maybe, did we talk about the fact that Herman kind of got this job from, uh, from the back from, of a cereal box? From the uh, meeting at the Bilderbergers? I didn't know that, actually. Aha! Uh -huh. Oh, that's I yeah, should like I should have known. a month before he was chosen as the head of the Oh, uh, that's EU. right. I do remember that. Right, he was yeah, at the Bilderbergers. It was a big yeah. meeting at the Bilderbergers that right, uh, right. and the, and the and it was a special meeting. It wasn't their normal drinking club meeting. This was like oh. a meeting to show off this guy. Right. They brought him in front of the whole group and he gave a speech about the future of Europe and the future of the world and the future of world governance. Right. And they said, hey, they, hey, they, that's they, good. They like what they heard. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> hey, don't we have an opening somewhere? Yeah. Yeah. President. Oh, okay. Well, there's something else very interesting happening. We like the cut of your jib. Ooh, that's a nice one. You remember the uh, that guy, uh, Rajat Gupta? The guy yeah. who got arrested for uh, insider trading? Right. So um, now he got sentenced like what ten years or fourteen years or something. He's he's going he's going to the big house, but he's still in appeal, and his lawyers have now uh, subpoenaed uh, Gary Cohn and what's the other guy Lube, both uh, the Goldman Sachs guys. Uh huh. And uh, here's what's interesting about it is that uh, Cohn was the guy who actually did all the deals for Greece. No. Oh. All the all the Goldman Sachs hiding the losses to, you know, he showed them how to do it. And now this is not the SEC or, you know, or the uh or you know, any other feds. You know, this is like a this is a a, a court case and now these lawyers are subpoenaing subpoenaing these guys. And um and I think it could, you know, this is not just an attack. Well, it's an attack on Goldman Sachs, but this could be very big because you know, not unlike when the SEC does something is like, yeah, well, you know, oh, you didn't do it. OK, go back home. Now these guys are actually going to have to testify. And I think this uh, Gupta guy, either he was a shill 
or somehow he's just, well, he's going to the big house, so he's probably really pissed off. But I think we can see some sparks coming up pretty soon. I got my eye on this one. I like it. Because we, you know, when, when people really understand that Goldman Sachs were the guys who screwed Greece and then went right back around, and now we've got a Goldman Sachs guy there <laughs> running the place, do you think people will, will get it? No. Yeah, I don't know, man. The, I, I got to say, the, the Greeks... Here, listen to this. This is from Euronews, the only, the only outfit that actually reports on Greece. Greece's new national unity government has presented its 2012 budget plan to Parliament. Now, what do you think the budget plan is? How much do we have to, uh, to cut? Uh, and, we, and everything's all, there's nothing left to cut, right? The cheese is so thin. Yeah, what, they got nothing. What do you think they're going to cut now for, for 2012? Uh, probably uh, half a trillion. What? Well, I mean, percentage-wise. Oh, uh, oh it's, it's ludicrous. It's like 25% or something like that. It aims to cut the country's deficit by more than a third from this year's <laughs> level to 5.4% of GDP. Yeah, not only is it a magic number, 33 and a third, but a, wow. a third? A th- are you kidding me? Technocrat Prime Minister Lucas Papademos is now leading Greek efforts to avoid bankruptcy and, in a worst-case scenario, a possible exit from the euro. His finance minister says Athens won't need to pass any new austerity measures next year if reforms that have already been approved are put in place. Right. Anti-austerity activists joined thousands in the capital on Thursday. I love that term, by the way. Anti-austerity activists. There's nothing like a little bit of alliteration for you. It's the AAA club. Anti-austerity activists. Instead of saying really pissed off slaves. To mark the anniversary of a 1973 student uprising that helped bring down Greece's military dictatorship. While many marched peacefully, police clashed with stone-throwing youths in the first... (laughs) Stone-throwing... John, those blasted stone-throwing youths, please get those anti-austerity activist stone-throwing youths youths out of my way. ...test for the new crisis coalition. The clashes came just one day after the government cleared its first hurdle by overwhelmingly winning a vote of confidence. <laughs> oh, I love it. And it's going to happen here. What are we now, four days away from the super committee uh, having to uh, uh, vote on our own? Well, we're not calling them austerity measures here. We're just calling it super committee thing. The super committee report. If we actually called it what it is here, then we'd have stone throwing youths out on the street. Uh, and I guess they're not gonna they're not gonna figure it out in in the, in the next four days, and then we have like an automatic austerity measures, right? Yeah, well, that uh, turns out. According, I was watching one of these clip shows where they you know try to disprove what everyone says is true. Apparently, <laughs> the Senate can like say, oh, well, you, mean, you know, you mean like yeah, NBC. we're supposed to do yeah. this, but we're not gonna really do it. This is like bull crap. This whole thing, this threat of cutting the military budget and the rest of it may be bogative. No, the, the military budget is increasing. It's not decreasing. It's increasing. I, I saw the report. We're going over $600 billion for 2012. Yeah. That's the only way you can make any money anymore is work for the military. Yeah. Now, I, I met the, you know, we haven't really uh, done a lot uh, of uh, Austin uh, 
research yet because we've just been so busy unpacking everything. Uh, our landlord, by the way, is uh, so he, he like, hey, man, that show's pretty good. He's listening. Right, so I got to be careful what I say. Um, but he's uh, he's he's like in a startup, some software startup, and they're doing like military grade stuff. And everyone here is working for the military as well. It's where it's where all the money is. Right. What are we doing wrong? We're not working for the military. Yeah. We should just quit the show and go work for the military. We should get the uh, the consulting group together. <laughs> yeah. And uh, just uh, you know just uh, live off the uh, the government tit. It's funny. I've actually Let heard the taxpayers pick up our salaries. Oh, that would be so nice, wouldn't it? There was a report that came out, and I haven't quite figured out the report, but it's uh, definitely. Uh, uh, definitely a case of uh, science. science. Apparently, um, Gallup has uh, gotten together with uh, some other company. They've they've combined. Um, oh, what's the name of that other company? Anyway, <laughs> they determined that uh, the amount of money that an American human resource needs to make on average to be happy is $75,000 a year. Mm. That's what they've determined. Who determined this? Gallup and this uh, National Health... It's like they do research for um, uh, pharmaceutical companies. It's it's very, very sketchy. But it's... uh, um, I'm I'm trying to find it. I can't find it right offhand. But it's really like, really... Yeah, here it is. Um, Gallup Healthways Wellbeing Index, better known as GHWBI, a daily well-being survey that queries 1,000 respondents. Two scientists from Princeton University say happiness is based on life evaluation and well-being. So there's there's obviously an angle in this uh, survey. There's a reason for it, a reason why why they're publishing this. I haven't figured it out yet. Uh, but anyway, the number is $75,000. That's the magic number for, and that's pretty much, I mean, uh, where is that on the scale? That's, uh, is that middle class, $75,000? Uh, well, it's in today's uh, inflated numbers, I suppose it is. Yeah. What's the average income in the USA? Let me just consult the book of knowledge. Yeah, I'll... Uh... Consult the book of knowledge. This, the whole thing was kind of weird, but it's, it's, it's done by scientists. That's the most important thing. You know, countless studies have igna- examined the relationship between income and happiness. But now, re- scientists... The science is in! ...has pinpointed the exact amount of money you need to be happy. The magic number, $75,000. In 2006, the real adjusted for inflation median annual household income was 50233 According to the census, the real median earnings of men who worked full-time year-round climbed between 2006 and 2007 from 43000 to 45000 Oh, interesting. Here, here's the conclusion. <clears throat> this might be it. So the next time you hear the phrase, money can't buy you happiness, remember, it actually can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's something up with this. Something's up. 
Yeah, I need more time. These things don't crop up for no good reason. No, they never do. And, of course, uh, we've had that email that's being passed around from the uh, the Wall Street lobbying firm. You saw this. Uh, Sir Sir Daniel sent us this. Yeah. And uh, and what's nice about it, you know, so basically it's like, you know, we're going to go. Uh, here's what you do to go bash the uh, Occupy Wall Street movement to prevent Republican uh, gains in Congress and the White House next year. But the cool thing about it is they're actually uh, so they it's a it's a pitch is what this is. This is from uh, Clark Little Geldig and Cranford uh, sent to the American Bankers Association subject proposal Occupy Wall Street response. <clears throat> and they literally have in here. Uh, so here's what we're going to do. Uh, the cornerstone elements of a plan include survey research and messaging testing, opposition research, targeted social media monitoring, coalition planning, and advertising creative and placement strategy development. So they've got all these. And John, we could so do this, by the way, because you know that this whole proposal is bogative. Uh, you know, they're going to do targeted social media monitoring. Here it is. The transparency of social media platforms offers an excellent opportunity to anticipate future Occupy Wall Street tactics and messaging, as well as identify extreme language and ideas that put its most ardent supporters at odds with mainstream Americans. Really? These, these platforms may not be a place where engaging Occupy Wall Street supporters directly could be successful, but with sophisticated monitoring and analytical tactics... It could provide exceptional political intelligence. Here's the deliverable, according to our pitch. We will conduct and report on an audit of most active social media platforms used by OWS with the identification of trends in their engagement. <laughs> That's a great sentence. This audit, will, this audit will offer analysis of those trends and identify effective reporting tools to develop actionable intelligence that could be rapidly acted on when a campaign becomes fully operational. So that is a bunch of bull crap that basically says, we're going to go look at Twitter trends and we'll, we'll write it down for you. Because <laughs> you're too stupid. Pricing. This initial effort to develop the cornerstone elements of a strategic campaign is achievable within 60 days... And would best provide you with a range of effective response options if the move to adopt OWS continues on its current path. The cost of these deliverables identified above is $850. $850,000. Yeah, I'm sorry. $1,000. Damn, the punchline. The yeah. punchline. Yeah, I fucked it up. 60 days, though. $850,000. 60 days. To write down some Twitter trends. Yeah. What else? We well, can do it, this. It would, be, it would be packaged nicely. Probably oh, printed on a good binder. printer. Yeah, binder. With a nice font. And, and a PowerPoint to go with it. We will Probably, produce a yeah, report. I love this. We will produce a report identifying traditional and non-traditional allies, intellectual support, and politically important economic footprints. My God. Is this what business is? Yeah. It's such Hello? bull crap. It's like advertising. Oppos or whatever you want to call it. Opposition research. Really? Yeah, we got to get on the stick here. Our polling plan would produce a national survey of 1,000 voters to serve as our benchmark. Give us national context for our state-by-state -state efforts. Hire some little... Little, little company to talk to 1,000 people. The quick survey. That's bull crap. I did pick up a, a kind of a clip that relates to this a little bit. 
By the way, this report is in the show notes. Uh, Democracy Now! had a... uh, They talked about Occupy Los Angeles, which is like a joke. Yeah. And they put on... They could only get any two people to uh, say anything, a phony and a dingbat. And the... uh, the thing that's interesting is that the, as Occupy Wall Street kind of shifted gears and became kind of something of, in and of itself instead of a front for Obama, you know, it's now students complaining about their student loans, the hikes in tuition, which is what was going on at Davis and the, at Cal Berkeley and on kind of local issues that are and, and, and the corruption in media and all this sort of thing. But listen to what this they, they the democracy now has to push this internationalist agenda that we're all one world and we should we need one world governance and you know we're all in it together kind of thing which is where this clip comes in so they find some phony guy to go on about that and then they can't come up with anybody else so they get got some dingbat chick to come on and she says something most important question no she's not hot Oh, of course not. In Los Angeles, at least 73 people were arrested in a series of actions, beginning with a march through the downtown financial district where demonstrators held hands and formed a circle around a busy intersection. (laughs) Oh, let's all hold hands and tell a secret. Fucking traffic. (laughs) I'm here because it's solidarity with all the movements worldwide from Egypt, Spain, Syria, Wall Street. We're all here to change the world, to make it equal for everybody on this planet. I'm here to support the movement uh, and the people that are marching on Wall Street down in uh, New York today. You know, when you compare the footage of Occupy Wall Street or wherever you want to compare, and you look at Greece, there's no comparison. And and by the way, no mention of Tahrir Square, where, you know, people are getting shot and killed. The violence breaking out there. Groovy. Worked out well for you. Yeah, worked out well. Front page today's New York Times. Top story. Violence in Cairo pits thousands against police. Anger at military rule. Yeah. It's clashed in Egypt since the uprising. Yeah, that's what they wanted. And now right? you can take a look at these photos and pictures, and this is a front page story with a big photo, which means the New York Times is now drawing attention to it. Right. Uh it's, there were some major riots, but uh, it's just interesting because these guys are pulling some guy to safety, and these guys that are doing the pulling are all wearing the exact same kind of quasi-uniform black T-shirts. Mm-hmm. They actually look like, uh, <laughs> it looks like five or six Ron Blooms, actually, that are oh, God. <laughs> carrying this guy. Uh-huh. Speaking of T-shirts, uh, have you been to the Barack Obama store? Uh No. You should go to store.barackobama.com, as uh, and you can uh, wipe this one off the uh, the little prediction list there. If you scroll down, bad request. Oh, never mind. I got store.barackobama.com. Yeah, Barackobama.com. And uh, see, it's not on the home page. No. Hold on a second. It's uh, I have to see which page it's on. I have the direct link. Uh, they're now selling We Can't Wait t-shirts. What can't they wait for? <laughs> for Congress to act. Aren't you on board with the program, dude? We Can't Wait. Let me see if I can find a page number for you. I got the old store. It came up <clears throat> old store. <laughs> really? It's an old store? Yeah, I'm on old store, and it's got women's fleece at 2012. It's a bunch of 2012 stuff. If you go to um, store.barackobama. Biden button combo. You get two <laughs> Biden buttons for five bucks. They so said, we can't wait. 
kick off the next 12 months of organizing with this American-made T-shirt. Oh, okay. This stuff with, what is this, all this O'Biden Biden stuff they got? <laughs> oh, a, a cup of Joe cup. It's an O'Biden <laughs> cup. With O'Biden's picture on the on the mug, and it just says cup of Joe. I need one of those. Yeah, you do. <laughs> a cup of Joe. And there's a Obama 2012. There's a bunch of Biden stuff. As though it's like, well, you know, if we don't run, so Biden, oh Biden would be running, not Hillary Clinton. From the looks of this old store. No, Hillary Clinton's not going to run. You know who I have my money yeah. on? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, I know. You, yeah. Well, she might be vice president with Biden. Yeah. Obama had a, 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 a interesting teleprompter fail on his uh, weekly uh, YouTube uh, thingy, his little show. He was coming in from uh, Indonesia, and they brought the green screen and everything, so they set him all up. How do you pronounce the Russian president's name? Uh, I have to look at it to pronounce it. Medvedev. Yeah, Medvedev. 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 I mean, and if, if if you're if you're talking to this guy and you know and you've had a conversation with him, uh, you'd probably want to pronounce his name right. But the guy is so our president is such a prompter whore that he can't even he just like oh, I got to do. Oh man, I got to do that freaking YouTube thing. All right, all, all across right. the Asia Pacific, and we agreed to make it easier for American companies to do business overseas. I also worked with President Medvedev of Russia. <laughs> Medvedev? What? <laughs> Medvedev. <laughs> Medvedev? Yeah, apparently there's a new president over there. President Medvedev. President Medvedev. <laughs> Medvedev. Medvedev. Come on, man. You're talking to this guy. Are you, aren't you? Or is that the other Obama who talks to I him? I also worked with President Medvedev. Medvedev. It's Medvedev. Not Medvedev. <laughs> Medvedev. So I found the page that's got the We Can't Wait t-shirts. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff in this store. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. Add to cart. $30. Hello. What are we selling our t-shirts for? We got to be on par with this stuff. But I love how it says, kick off the next 12 months of organizing with this American-made t-shirt. And kick off. It's pretty hot. I'm looking at the accessories now. You can get, <laughs> apparently, it looks like a barbecue. You can get a, a, an apron. You, look at the clothing page for a second. Yeah, I did. And look at the girl on that page. Yeah, she's she looks good. She's just showing her boobs. You don't even see her eyes. It's just boobs. Yeah, well, do you look. That's why you can't. That's why there's no excuse for not looking at her eyes. <laughs> it's great. Oh, we need a fired up, ready to grill uh, Barack Obama barbecue apron. I like that. Fired up, ready to grill. <laughs> Our country is so sad. A bangle. So I, I like the glass Christmas ornaments too. There's also a bangle. <laughs> Look at the pre the the rhodium ball ornament. What is rhodium? Is that something we stole? We steal from Afghanistan? I think it was out of Africa. Rod- <laughs> rhodium. What is rhodium? And a couple Obama golf balls. <laughs> the only- Obama's balls. <laughs> the the only ones he hasn't used. Let me. Well, I like the cufflinks. I might actually get those. Rhodium. Rhodium. <laughs> Rhodium is a chemical element that is rare, silvery white, hard, and chemically inert. That sounds like our president. Yeah, just like Obama. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, Uh, I got something for you that's a little off the wall. All righty. I was actually impressed, and I now I hit it. You know, you're always looking for a use for this website, Wolfram Alpha. Oh, I've I've never you you never used that. You will now. Oh, okay. 
you get to their search engine, you type in flights overhead. Wolfram Alpha, was it dot com? Yeah. Wolf, WolframAlpha.com. Yeah. yeah, and I do flights over, overhead. Is overhead one word? Yeah. Overhead. All right. Computing. Okay, I get Continental. Oh, what's overhead right now? Yeah. Well, that's kind of cool. Continental Airlines. American. You can see the private planes, too. Oh, I don't have any over like here. Like, here's a SkyWest uh, uh, Brazilian uh, uh, 120 Brazilia coming in. I can click on it and find out who's... You know, I can't find out who's on it, <laughs> but I can damn near find out. I thought I, thought I was going to get, like, drones or something. I thought it would be really cool. I think cool. you will get drones. That's what... <laughs> I think they'll show up. Uh, Two drones overhead. Uh, that's pretty cool. I like it. It's finally a use for that. Also, the little the Sky West is coming in from Sacramento and arriving in San Francisco at ten o eight. Well, it already landed then. Hmm. So much for that. Anyway, well, whatever. I I actually punched this up a while ago. I should need to type in flight. Well, it, it does it does give me an opportunity to uh, play it once again. Lose or drone. That's right. To UK citizens, come on down, Abraham Adam and Anthony Garcia. You now are playing. Lose or drone. And you're dead. Yeah, we're killing UK citizens now. What? Oh, uh, we droned two UK uh, guys. We did? Yeah, they were Al-Qaeda suspects after fleeing from a control order four years ago. Actually, it's Ibrahim Adam and Mohammed Khan. Huh. And uh, they were uh, killed by an American drone. Were they targeted? Yeah, of course they were targeted. It's awesome. It's awesome. <laughs> hey, man, it's our game show. We got to keep it rolling. Dayton, it looks like, is going to be uh, the big uh, center for unmanned aircraft. Dayton, Ohio, as the FAA is looking into uh, six sites across the country for test flying. It's just a test. Unmanned oh, aerial test vehicles. For, dro- for droning our own citizens in, in the United in, States. On, on the soil of the United States. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's all hyping up. Yeah, it's great. Well, just, nobody's complaining about it. It seems like you might as well see how far you can go with it. Now, people love it. Bank robbers, drone them. <laughs> you yeah. don't need a court system this way. No. Well, you it's don't. It's a waste need. of time. Yeah, we have a panel for that, don't we? Isn't it just a panel that you just call? Yeah, you have and, a panel. Yeah. And they determine you're guilty. Yeah. And, and they, then the drones come out and blow you away. It's yeah. perfect. You can't get signs. It's just uh, Al Capone couldn't have done, thought of anything better no, than No, the this. only thing that's wrong is we don't have the television rights. You know, these freaking guys at Endemol are going to get that, and we're going to be screwed again, and we're going to be sitting here going, we had the jingle, we had the whole game show idea, and now Endemol is going to go and take it, and they're going to have like a worldwide hit with win, lose, or drone. That's yeah. the only thing that we're stupid about. Yeah, we don't get a break on these things. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. Well, I got another oddball. Well, you know, we can if you want to change the uh, the uh, pacing. Pacing here. I do have an entertainment news clip from the Insider, which is just the teasers that kind of give us bring us up to. We haven't done this for months. Oh, bring so we need to get up to speed on what's really going on. Well, hold on, on what's a really good. 
And now, back to real news. That's right, here on the No Agenda Show, it's time to check out what's really going on in showbiz land. The Insider is on. It's on. Demi Moore announces plans to file for divorce from Ashton. What she's saying today about values and vows she holds sacred as she ends her six-year marriage. Was Kutcher caught by surprise? His latest tweet. Then, Jerry Sandusky outrage. If I saw a kid getting raped in a shower, I'd punch the adult's teeth out. It's a very sensitive subject. Has the media already convicted the ex-Penn State coach? We try to approach it as parents. You know, we're all parents and we know our kids are watching. As the mother of his adopted son comes forward. It was unnatural from the beginning. Plus, where is Jerry Sandusky tonight? What was just delivered to his home? Do you want to come back to all this like you crawled back to, yeah. to Hoda? Right. <laughs> Kathy Lee's live reunion with Regis today. I teared up walking out. What happened when Clooney's girl met his parents? And are we recording? <laughs> A movie star caught in the Occupy Wall Street alley. Yeah! His video diaries in tonight's New York Star Watch. The collapse of the Kardashians. No! Absolute interviews, public protests, and now Spencer Pratt. She's a hustler, and most people don't like hustlers. What the former Hill star knows about a reality TV crash and burn. And we talked too much. Had a lot of hits, a lot of misses. Jerry Maguire's child star today sporting a six-pack. The backstory 15 years later. Hollywood, the insider is on. Hello and welcome to the insider. I'm Kevin Frazier. A lot of entertainment news to bring you tonight. That's right. I'm. Yeah. Wow, John, I'm up to date now. I know the, yeah. Ka- the Kardashian collapse is. Uh, that sounds pretty big. Oh yeah. You know that uh, Bruce and Demi thing? Wow. You know, you know they're, they're really punching that up. You know, like why? They're, oh, they're saying that. Oh, they're making it sexy. Like uh, they always had threesomes, and they always brought uh, another woman into bed. And you know, but it was Ashton when he started. You know, like a fool when he started uh, screwing around on the side without telling her. Idiot. Uh yeah. What was his latest tweet? That's what's important. <laughs> I don't they're going to report on it. By the way, they reported on his latest, <laughs> his latest tweet. tweet. I didn't. Uh, I did. I forgot to follow Ashton. <laughs> latest tweet uh, <laughs> Anderson Pooper uh, which of course is the uh, the news side of the entertainment showbiz spectrum had some douche baguette on uh, and she uh, I couldn't believe what came out of her pie hole about the Sandusky scale. by the way uh, I- interesting the guy gets lung cancer how convenient is that uh, you gotta, gotta get this guy out of the way let's see uh, oh I know I John, do you have that lung cancer uh, spray handy? Let's uh, spray that on the guy. My hope, though, is that what comes out of this, Anderson, is that there'll be tightening of regulations, that there'll be protocols put in place, that people will start talking about these issues. Because, again, people don't want to talk about them. People are so uncomfortable. But that enables these predators and these pedophiles to continue doing business as usual. And we have to put a stop to it. If you see something, you have to say something. If you see something, say something. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. Always great to bring in uh, one of our favorite slogans. So I've got a clip called Getting a Big Audience. Oh, never mind. Just clip for later. Okay. Well, Uh, also... uh, well, I'll see what else I got here that might be of, of some interest. Well, I have I have something that uh, is very disturbing. 
This is from uh, Russia Today. And uh, it's a techno experts clip. By the way, you got really loud just a second ago. Did you move into the microphone? I changed or? nothing. Oh, okay. Uh, Do you want me to turn down my volume? No, no, my, no. My don't, don't, no, no. Don't touch anything. I'll, I'll adjust here. I will not touch anything. This is from uh, Russia Today. Now, I've clipped this down to uh, about a minute. The whole report, which you can find in the show notes, 358.nashownotes.com. Um, it, hello? What are you doing? I'm crunching a, 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 a Eltoid. I was wondering why it smelled so nice. Mm. I've clipped this down, uh, but I have not taken anything out of context, and it does not change the outcome of the winners. Uh, but listen to what uh, Russia Today is reporting on. I don't, I've never seen this guy, by the way. Their hosts, they, they come and go. Uh, you know, it's like they're on rotational deployment on the show. Uh, and then you see a hot chick all of a sudden, and she's gone. And, then and I get- guess they fired Thom Hartman. I, I haven't seen him for weeks. No, he does still does his regular show, but it's in the old set, you know, with the stupid oh. mic that's way up in the air. Right, back episodes. And he's gotten, no, this is all new. Mm. And it's and he takes calls. This is basically his old radio show done, you know, as a podcast. I guess it was all that bug eyes and the crazy. He sucked when he was on Russia Today. Totally. All right, well, let's listen to uh, to this uh, and uh, it will kind of, well, you'll give me your, your response. Today we learned that our democracy could be hacked by an eighth grader with 26 bucks. D- just so you know. <laughs> just so you know, John, you got an eighth grader with 26 bucks, you're hacked. That was That's Thom Hartman. Is that Thom? Yeah, he was on Russia Today. Is this Thom Hartman? Yeah, that's Thom Hartman. He's ugly. You've never seen him before? I know, you know, I just I, I've listened to your clips. I don't watch Thom Hartman. I never see the guy on television. Oh, that's funny. Okay, so here's Thom Hartman then, who obviously is a douche nozzle. Today we learned that our democracy could be hacked by an eighth grader with 26 bucks. That's what a security assessment team with the U.S. Department of Energy discovered when they successfully hacked into a Diebold electronic voting machine and were able to change voting results without leaving any trace behind. Now, this is known. This is no news. But check out what he is uh, asserting. This is a government agency that did this. And the security assessment team leaders said about their ability to hack this voting machine, this is a national security issue. Despite all this, in next year's election, 30% of voters are expected to use these very same hack-easy voting machines. But the rest of the world have shelved citing security concerns. Okay, so this is, all, this is all known, right? But now listen to the twist that Thom Hartman puts on it. And today, with the rise of hacktivist groups like Anonymous, this gaping hole in the security of our elections could be exploited for absurd purposes. So imagine... If they and other hackers coordinated together to hack into voting machines nationwide and skew the voting results of, say, the Republican Party coming up, uh, the Republican Party primaries coming up in a couple of months, suddenly libertarian hero Ron Paul might be the guy to take on President Obama. Can you see the Republican leaders' heads exploding? This, to me, is uh, a red book, if I've ever heard one. So what Thom is asserting here, and the guy's a moron and a robot, he's asserting that if Ron Paul wins, the feds, who say this is a national security issue, will possibly come out and say, oh, well, Anonymous hacked it, so he didn't really win. 
Well, this is not a new report. I think that I still think he's not working for these guys anymore. I, so I, this, I had never seen this, so this was new to me. Well, this is this report came out within days of that of the which was about a month or two ago of that kid who hacked the machine. And uh, the fact that he threw Ron Paul, but I don't remember this. I think I may have seen part of this report, but I don't remember him bringing in the Ron Paul red herring, which is interesting. Yeah, Ron Paul is the biggest threat. Well, not just Ron Paul, but saying that Anonymous. Yeah, which is like, yeah, yeah, whatever. But saying that Anonymous could do this. So if Ron Paul, of course, has a chance of winning fair and square, you know, I think that's actually possible. I think he can win the Iowa. Well, that's what everyone is looking at. When is when is the Iowa? Explain for our uh, non-American and even for a lot of our American listeners how this exactly works with these caucuses and then the uh, and then the primary and what it means and when can the we expect ca- this? Most pri- most states have normal primaries where you you're a member of the party and you get to go vote for the guy you think should represent you should, that your your uh, representatives go to the convention with votes to represent. Some states it's winner take all, so whatever whoever wins gets all the votes for the uh, for the convention. And some states they divide it up so if somebody gets forty percent, they get forty percent of the votes, and the other guy gets thirty and whatever. The caucus states, and I think there's only I think Iowa's the maybe the last one, maybe there's others. They actually have these meetings, and they and they have a whole bunch of representatives. That essentially, the people that are going to go to the convention, and then they 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 debate who they think they should vote for, and then they go into different corners of the room. Now, they who, who, are the, who are these people that go to the meeting? Are they, Can anyone go to the meeting, or is this like a specific type of person that can go to the meeting? Well, that's a good question that I don't know the answer to since I'm not in Iowa, but I think I think it's like a town hall, so I think every, a lot of people get to go to this. I don't know that they separate it. I don't know. But there's lots of these meetings. It's not like there's one. Uh-huh. And they, they, they make a decision on who they're going to throw their votes to, and then eventually uh, they come to some conclusion, and some guy wins. <laughs> it's not; it's a completely different kind of thing, and isn't, it's like isn't that how Haiku Herman open. So if you say I'm, you know, I think Ron Paul should win because of this, and the other guy says I don't think so, and he's in you're in kind of different corners of the room. You can look it up on the Wikipedia how the Iowa thing works, but it's totally alien to every other state. Huh? But it's considered very important because it's very old fashioned. Hmm. And then the big one, the big one is the New Hampshire primary, which right, is the, right. the first technical primary. And that's supposed to do mean some things and symbolically. And then the next big one, the, the main one is the Iowa is kind of important because it indicates this, you know, that you, you should where the come from behind guy shows up and wins. And then New Hampshire kind of puts a stamp of approval on the on the guy, and now he's going to be the leader throughout the primary season. And then South Carolina is comes up, and that essentially says, this is what the South wants. And so the way it was set up so far, it looks, it was supposed to be Bachman was going to win Iowa, Romney was going to win New Hampshire, and, and Rick Perry was going to easily win South Carolina because it tends to be the most religious guy. Right. But it doesn't seem to be shaking out that way. It looks like Ron Paul could possibly win Iowa. And for all we know, he could win New Hampshire. And then if he wins those two, then it doesn't... Oh, then uh, then we're going to see chaos. He's either going to drop out or he's going to be threatened or something bad's going to happen. Because they cannot... They will not tolerate having Ron Paul as a candidate because he's... He just he would he would upset the apple cart. He would screw up the scam. Well, 
I, I like the idea of chaos, and uh, I'm hopeful. I mean, I'm. Uh, by the way, I don't think I have to. Do I have to register as a Republican in Texas now in order to to vote for yeah. Ron Paul in the primary? Do I have to do that again? I think so. I think oh, he's. Man. I think. I don't know what. We, does Texas even have a, or do they just have a? <laughs> I, I don't know. They have a barbecue. I think <laughs> they have a big barbecue. <laughs> they have a big barbecue. All right, uh, you got a clip here that you want me to play uh, from PBS. Let's talk about this. Yeah, this is uh, so. I'm watching the PBS, uh, and they have a uh, some woman who's a, a kind of a, one of those money collectors. Who now, I, PBS is our public broadcast system. This is the uh, the public. Uh, the uh, viewer-supported television in the United States of Gitmo. Always be- they always stop the programming and, and, and beg for money, and they have the phones ringing in the background and all this kind of thing. And this woman is a professional. She's not a local. So you'll find her on most of the any PBS station acting as though she's working for the local station. And they always they always bring in what they what this one impresses me because they bring in as if anybody wants to watch this guy who's made up some new exercise thing called Kwai Dong Do or something like that, which is kind of a Tai Chi, but essentially... Wait a minute, is this going to cost me $1,000 to get a video? Is that what this is going to be? $150 for a video. <laughs> can I play it? And all the guy does, from what I can tell, is swing his arms in a, like a like windmilling, you know, like little kids do. Yeah. And but they 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 this is very important because this is what what PBS is all about and so she makes this plea for money and then they <laughs> kick it to him to give us a little bit of the of the really important things we need to know about this crazy <laughs> exercise routine. The chat room uh, is calling it Kwai Dong Do and Long Duck Dong. <laughs> this is a, I can't wait for the arm twirling. More informative programs in the future, as well as our award-winning children's lineup and favorites like the Rick Steves Travel Specials, Antiques Roadshow, Nova, and the PBS NewsHour. When you support public television, you are joining five million individuals and families nationwide in saying that public television makes a difference in your life. I love that. You know, we we should do that more often. We need to get our telephone ringing on again. Yeah, because. uh, yeah, because, you know, it's, it's bogative. It's totally bogative. So I hope you will join us now with a financial contribution. Now, let's take a look at a clip from the DVD of Qigong for More Energy, which we can send you. <laughs> Chigo? Chigo for More Energy? Qigong. Qigong. I thought you said Chigo. Qigong. When you contribute $150. Oh. Turn from your hips and your waist. Oh. And allow this flow to move through the arms. <laughs> Inhale as you bring the hands up. Exhale, press the hip forward. Turn from the center of the body and uh. feel a nice opening through the spine. <laughs> out through the shoulders. And uh. flowing through the arms and uh, hands. My chakra's opening. Just relax and flow. Uh. Allow the arms to drop. Uh. And gravity to move the arms downward as uh. the hips circle and bring the arms back up. Yeah, I'll shove it in. And Qigong, this is called moving from the center. Uh. And it allows the body to move with more internal power, with more flow and more ease. Breathe into <laughs> it. This exercise is said to invigorate the chi. Uh, I have a, 
an erected chi right now. It invigorate. It's said to invigorate the chi. Said to. Said to by who? That doesn't actually do it, but it's said to invigorate it's the chi. It's said to invigorate the chi. <laughs> well, we try to invigorate the chi of our listeners, but not with a bunch of bull crap like that that they put on the air. Why does anybody pay money for this? Donating to no agenda. Imagine all the people who could do that. Oh, yeah, that'd be fab. Yeah, on no agenda. So, uh, who invigorated our chi today? Well, the Kevin Wood invigorated the chi uh, from <laughs> Auburn, New Hampshire. Guys, the, he gave us $111.11. Guys, to give thanks for all your hard work, I present to you a no agenda haiku. Oh. In the morning, seeking karma, PayPal beckons douchebag no more. <laughs> I love it. That's a good one. Keep up the good work. Uh, he's from Live Free or Die, Live Free or Die he says. Uh, Robert Macbeth, Vancouver, B.C., $63.23. Rob Macbeth, uh, the postal resource, are nameless. Just for fun, rock and roll covers band has been asked to perform at a Christmas party for this group. It will need a name. May I present you the Bogatives? Yeah, I love it. Bogatives is a great name it's for a great band. great name, yeah. Brian Voller in Medford, Oregon. Here's some startup cash for Adam's Llama Farm. $56.78, which is about that all he's going to get for that. That gets me a lot. That gets me a lot. Sir Daniel Hutner in Murphy's, California. 50 double nickels on the dime. Hey, guys. Saw eight old ladies on a street corner holding up Occupy Calaveras signs today. Calaveras signs. In a county of barely over 40,000 people, there's not much to occupy. <clears throat> I forwarded no conflict. Oh. No conflict. Oh, I didn't, com I didn't to, uh, Keep up the great work. Let me ask you a question, John. Um, he, you know, driving through, uh, driving on route to this. No, I'm sorry. Uh, what is it called? R uh, Ranch, Ranch Road 620, which goes by the, uh, the Camp Mofo. Um, you drive through these places like, uh, I don't know, uh, B Camp and other, you know, these little places. And it says population 3,925. Do they actually change that sign when someone dies or when someone is born? Do they change it annually or do they do that on the fly or how does that work? No. Right. They change it when they feel like it and it depends on the town. No conflict. Uh, Justin Hilton in uh in the military somewhere. In the morning TR, this is my first donation after listening to a dozen or so episodes for the first few episodes. I felt like I was on the outside of an inside joke. Yes. Because all the catchphrases, but now I find myself nearly saying in the morning instead of good morning, in good. Morning. When I first greet my coworkers, I think it would be funny if you put together a sound clip of Obama's current meme of we can't wait, followed by a crowd yelling his old meme, <laughs> yes, we can. Great ideas. That is a good one. Yeah, someone should do that for us. I love that. We can't wait. Yes, yes we, we can. can. We can't wait. Yes, we can. Cool. Here's hope. That's a good one, yeah. Here's hoping my double nickels on the dime will buy me some good karma. He needs it right now. Uh, give him a de-douching and a karma shot. You've been de-douched. You've got karma. Scott McKenzie in Stockport, Cheshire. Double nickels on the dime. Just uh, send in your next installment. The proceeds from the NoAgendaNovels.com. Oh, I'd like you. to remind the listeners out there, limited edition hardcover of day one and get Mo Nations available only till the end of the year for thirty three thirty three is the perfect Christmas gift, and you can go to noagendanovels.com. Jeffrey Cadman in Wheaton, Maryland, fifty two twenty two. 
looking for some good birthday karma. So here's forty-one dollars plus eleven twenty-two for my forty-first birthday on eleven twenty-two. Also consider this the first installment of my special monthly subscription since you obviously created it in my honor. <laughs> I feel uh, obligated to sign up. Keep up the crack pottery and buzz killing, you sneaky bastards. You've got karma, Sir Gerlock. Uh, 5150 from Alamo, California. Thank you. And Michael Kearns uh, is not listed. Well, anyway, sorry, Michael. Um, That's it. That's that it. would be, yeah, we got, let me see. One, two, three, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight uh, donors uh, on the mention. It's always nice when we see the SIRs come in, though, and that's highly appreciated. Yeah, the SIRs are carrying the show at the moment, and they will carry it through the through the holidays, which... We, um, yeah, which always suck for us. It's going to suck. And I assume that the Thursday show is going to be like this one. Yeah. That regard. Yeah. Because it'll be uh, that fake holiday. And Uh, then the Sunday show is just as bad because everybody gets the, you know, they give everybody four days off and then everyone usually takes Monday off or Wednesday so they can stretch it because, you know, our, our system doesn't really want people to take vacation. So they let them get a little extra few days in and well, it's snowing and cold. Right. And then we have a bigger vacation when it's miserable out. You know, during we, the Christmas <clears throat> holidays. You know, we could, we could do it. We could choose a different business model. Of course, what we're doing is value for value. You know, you take a look at what you're spending on entertainment. Uh, maybe you drop something. Uh, maybe you just look at what you pay for a cappuccino. Uh, if uh, you feel that we uh, provide you enough value with our uh, approximate five dollar five hours of entertainment a week, <clears throat> come rain, shine, snow, sleet, hail, or Thanksgiving, or uh, Christmas, or New Year's, we're always here. We're always doing it for you. Never, we have not taken a vacation yet. In uh, what four years, five years now? A hiatus would be the hiatus, word in broadcast. Oh yeah, yeah, seasonal hiatus. Uh, or you could do what NPR does. Uh, here's a little uh, clip that a human resource actually sent me the uh, entire interview. Um, I was blown away by the fact that they actually had this guy on the air. I've clipped it down to a minute for your convenience. The outcome has not changed the winners of the contest. Banks decided within the last couple of weeks to scrap their plans for a monthly debit card fee. But the costs really just shifted elsewhere. Bank of America is charging $5 for replacement if you lose your debit card. U.S. Bank Corp is charging 50 cents to deposit checks with your cell phone. Sounds like a a normal news report to me, right? Normal news report. But gee whiz, they're interviewing some guy. There are plenty of alternatives, of course, including credit unions. And here's another one. It's called Simple. Oh. Not exactly a bank, but kind of works like one without all the fees, the hassle, the headaches. Joshua Reich is the CEO. Welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me, Tess. So first things first, uh, what is simple? Are, are you a bank? Are you not a bank? Does this sound like a editorial to you, John, or like a, uh, what do you call those things, uh, a commercial? It sounds like a, a very nicely done. It's that dead PBS, NPR sound. It's a dead NPR sound. So it's she's definitely one of these NPR types. Uh, probably a local show. And it, this is there's some scam involved here because you, you, this, she's too unctuous and she's really happy to hear from this guy. And he's in the studio and he's going to talk about something. And Well, I guarantee you, you can listen to the entire interview and not at a single moment is there any critical question whatsoever. But listen to how she wraps up the interview at the end. 
So Simple is designed to replace your bank. You know, when you are a customer of a bank today, you're likely to open By the way, he's a Brit. Please. Open up a checking account, a savings account. The more accounts that a customer has at a bank, by working with us. I actually, might be Australian. I take that back. Now, by working with us, so he's wrapping it up. He's wrapping up his message. We provide a better service and uh, we acquire customers that the banks couldn't otherwise get. And so they pay us for that service. All right. Joshua Reich is the CEO of Simple. And we've been talking about their new website for your banking needs. Thank oh. you so much for coming in. We've been talking about their website for your banking needs. This is like a, reminds me, there's a guy who does a bunch of stuff. You see him on the airplane all the time. Uh, he does uh, Mark Bunting. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bunting's windows. Bunting's windows and Bunting's on, Bunting on tech and Bunting, Bunting, Bunting. Nice enough guy, I've met him. Uh, but everything he does, I mean, it's just a commercial deal. I mean, he charges like, I forgot, it's like 30 grand or something to do a, a profile of someone. Yeah, yeah. And so you bring Toshiba on and, well, what do you got here for a new laptop? Oh, we've got this new laptop. It's fantastic. Yeah. Oh, it looks fantastic. Oh, it is fantastic. It works well. It looks well. fantastic. Yeah. It is fantastic. I'm yeah. Mark Bunting, you know, kind of thing. And it's just like... Uh, but this is a launch of a new product. There's not a single... Uh, and even at the end, there's, you know, he, he's basically saying, oh, our service is great. It's awesome. And just listen to what she says. Uh, we acquire customers listen, at the bank. Listen to how she... And she so he's talking about his service. And listen to her critical journalism. Couldn't otherwise get. And so they pay us for that service. All right. All right. <laughs> All right. All right. Yeah. Why don't you do a, an interview with the guy from Payday Loans? All right. Well, I probably... think it's a great service you provide the veterans of this country by stealing their money. All right. All right. Well, that sounds just great. You know, that is the true hallmark of someone who has been like, just interview the guy. Don't make waves. Just say, all right. Joshua Reich is the CEO of Simple. And we've been talking about their new website. For your banking needs. For your banking needs. That's right. Brought to you by NPR. Commercial radio at your fingertips. Hidden as public radio. Now, instead, we'll just uh, ask for donations. How does that sound? Please help us out. Dvorak.org slash N-A. Cadman, he congratulates himself. He turns 41 on uh, Tuesday. And Tim Griffin says happy birthday to his wife, Susan. Uh, she turns 24 on Thursday. And, of course, you always get your little birthday card in the mail, courtesy of your buddies here at the No Agenda Show. Got a little note here of a karma misfire from TM. Uh-oh. Yeah. yeah, it's an interesting note. You know, we always want to track the karma. Uh, hi, Adam. I would email this to John, but I figured he would just lose it. Uh, <laughs> Recently, I donated and requested some karma for a job I was hoping to get. Unfortunately, I received a rejection letter by mail, not email, the next morning, which means the decision was made long before my actual karma request. So, as a karma consolation prize, apparently, the same day I received the rejection letter, I won two cases of wine in a raffle. <laughs> not quite That's a, the way it works Not quite a job, but at least it'll keep me busy So I'm here to tell everyone, <laughs> donate today Don't delay, keep up the great work 
uh, you guys on the best damn podcast in the universe. <laughs> hey, yeah, it's karma. I mean, we, we work. Don't, we don't. Hey, buddy, this won't work because this has already been. This is over. Yeah, we don't. We don't control. So here, the karma. here, take some wine. <laughs> we don't control the karma, obviously. All right, could you put down the slide whistle for just one second and, and grab your blade? Very good. Eric Hertha. And Robin Durden, step forward. Oh, we have Robin Durden, who will become a black knight today as we lost track of the accounting. But luckily, the shills in the back are doing all of their business. So please kneel and extend your middle finger as I hereby knight thee, Sir Eric Hertha and Sir Black Knight Robin Durden, now knights of the No Agenda Roundtable. Head on over for your hookers and blow, your rent boys and Chardonnay, your hot pants and booze. Your night rings are on the way, and thank you for donating up to $1,000 to the best podcast in the universe. That would be us. Yep. Award winning. Well, we hope that people help us out because uh, Thanksgiving is coming up and we could use the Thanksgiving a gift for the show, which would be uh, noagendashow.com, noagendanation.com, org slash blah, uh, no N-A. Or just uh, send us, uh, send us a, uh, a turkey. Channel Devore. We get, we're getting a wild turkey. We have a wild turkey. Oh, really? Yeah. And they're all, of course, all over the place. We apparently, I mean, we could have shot shot the thing, but. We, <laughs> yeah, you could have. <laughs> there was a bunch of them in the Bay Area now. Turkeys are everywhere. Are you allowed to shoot uh, turkeys and in the Bay Area? And there's also turkey birds. But are, are you allowed to shoot turkeys no, in the Bay Area? You can't. No, not, you're, If you're inside a city limits, you can't oh, discharge a weapon. Oh, that sucks. Blowgun. <laughs> With darts and curare. Yeah. <clears throat> nice. Good sound effect. So, uh, so again, I, I did get a clip. Uh, I think this is a meeting. I don't have the actual attribution. I'm not absolutely sure. But this was a meeting uh, discussing uh, the website and um, I, I think USA Today editorial board uh, getting a big audience. Oh, okay. Sarah, <laughs> how did you get a picture of Will and Molly with a bear when they just left to go find it? We made it on the computer. Looks pretty good, huh? But it's dishonest. Look, Sarah, nobody's going to read this website if it's dull. Look at the hits. We've more than doubled our readers since the changes. But you're lying. Sarah, you don't understand the news business. It's not about telling the truth. (laughs) It's about getting a big audience. (laughs) Yeah. That's why our audience is so tiny. That's why. Damn it. Uh, so uh, D- David Gregory, didn't we have a different name for him? Yeah, we did. Was it like Robert? No, it was like George or Dale or something <laughs> Dale, like that. Dale, Dale Gregory. So <laughs> he's, he's been renamed. Dale Gregory has a new show uh, called Pass. And I did. <laughs> what, this, so a new story comes in and that's what you say. Yeah, pass or fail. And uh, I don't know what the hell it is, <laughs> Dale Gregory. So he, he of course, uh, and I didn't realize this until I started looking into this douche. He, and so he's like the, the gray-haired guy who does, uh, is it Meet the Press? Yeah, Meet yeah the Press. he looks like he should be a football coach. Right. Oh, ooh. And after uh, the original host of the show uh, died of a heart attack, uh, Dale Gregory was pushed in really quickly. 
Um, so he's got this new show, and uh, the, um, I just want to play this. The clip really, well, it's relevant to the, the information, but I didn't know this about Dale. Um, and so he's on, uh, I don't know, uh, he's plugging his show on, I think, MSNBC or something. Uh, I, he's, he's plugging the show, and he, and the show that he's plugging is an episode where he had Jack Abramoff on, who was uh, uh, was a lobbyist who was jailed. And, of course, they're relating this to Newt Gingrich and everything. But pay close attention to what he says about Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. The point is, yes, what I did was criminal. But if you think that there's some white and black area where this is the criminal stuff, this is the bad stuff, and this is the good stuff in lobbying, that's not true. He's saying the whole thing is some shade of gray, some degree of gray, and that Gingrich was involved in using his former position for money, in effect, that there's no way on earth they would have come to him and said, please advise us if he hadn't had that job. The background is important. Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac as quasi uh, public-private agencies. They survived, and they made a great deal of money because they worked the hill, but they went well beyond working the hill. They had the hill by the throat. This is Republicans, this is Democrats. Both sides of the aisle made a lot of money through these companies. So that's the backdrop. Newt Gingrich said in the Bloomberg debate, the real story here after saying that Frank and Dodge should go to jail, he said the real story is how close the politicians got to Freddie Mac and Freddie Mac. (laughs) Now what's interesting about this is that Dale Gregory's wife uh, who carries a different name, uh, her name is not Mrs. Gregory, is Beth Wilkinson. And she was one of the top four executives at Fannie Mae. And she worked at this huge law firm. And she resigned in 2008 when uh, basically Fannie Mae became a, a government uh, agency. So what I didn't know about Dale Gregory is that he's completely compromised. Yeah, she worked at the, this is a huge firm. It's a Paul Weiss, Rifkind, Wharton, and Garrison. Yeah, she even worked at, uh, she, in fact, she even, she helped convict uh, Timothy McVeigh. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah Wilkinson, yeah, yeah she's yeah. well known for successfully arguing for the execution of Oklahoma City bomber Timothy McVeigh. What, 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 under what circumstances? Uh, as a prosecutor. Yeah, uh, well, you know what we have to do, obviously. Oops, we have to do this. I'm looking at her now. You got the book? After completing her four-year obligation to the Army, Wilkinson Wilkinson became a full-time assistant attorney, U.S. attorney for the Eastern Division in New York, prosecuting various kinds of cases, including narcotics, white-collar offenses, offenses. Violent crimes among her cases was the first United States prosecution of a bombing of an airline or 1994 case against Colombian narco-terrorist Nadini Munoz, Mosquera. And then she won the highest honor for exceptional work for work on that case. She yeah, was, then became special counsel to the deputy attorney general advising top management of the department on criminal policy and investigations. She was promoted to principal deputy of the department's terrorism and violent crime section. It was in that capacity that she participated in the trial team in U.S. versus McVeigh and Terry Nichols. She won the attorney general's exceptional service award an unprecedented second time. So this just shows you. Once again, how the mainstream media, how compromised it is. I, I, mean, I was blown away. I didn't know this about Dale Gregory. In 2006, Fannie Mae recruited Wilkinson as part of an effort to rebuild his relationship with regulators after accounting scandals and complaints about its corporate culture. 
her compensation at Fannie Mae was not disclosed when she was hired. You can bet it wasn't low. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm sure it was high. She served as Fannie Mae's executive vice president, general counsel, and corporate secretary from the February 2006 to 2008. She resigned her position along with three other senior executives after a troubled mortgage giant was taken over by the government. Well, hello. It, I mean, you know, it's not, uh, maybe not groundbreaking news, but I was just like, wow, I, I had no She's idea. married to David Gregory. Dale. Uh, or Dale. Could somebody please go in and change the wiki page? Yeah, it's Dale. Dale. <laughs> and by the way, if you look at the top of that page, scroll all the way to the top, you see that picture? She looks a lot like Jimmy Wales. Yeah, she's got a beard. <laughs> In the morning. Anyway, so there you go. That's uh, that's how great. That, so when David Dale Gregory is asking questions on Meet the Press, you know he's got an agenda. Well, he has. Uh, yeah, I, it's actually questionable whether. I don't know. What are you going to do? Well, just pointing it out as the obvious. What are you going to do? Listen that's to the why. best podcast in the universe is what you're going to do if you want any type of analysis of real news. She's an interesting looking woman. There she is with her two kids, and she looks like a she looks like a uh, uh, one of those women that would be you know have a, a whistle around her. Uh, look at her images, whistle around her neck, and in the pool, you know that one of those little perky cheerleader types, probably an energy nut. I mean, she's probably just on on fire all the time. Uh, well, there's a couple different pictures here. Let me see. Oh, she's tiny. Yeah, she's very small. She's uh, probably the same size as Perino. Oh, I I bet you I can. Uh, what was that with my chi? You could increase. It was just, I, you know, I wish I could remember that line. <laughs> I can't remember the line now. The chi. It's, it's said to increase the chi no, or, or in, activate the chi or some crap. Uh, invigorate. Yeah, really invigorate. She can't be taller than 5'2". Invigorate. Invig- invigorate the chi. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's got that gold lame dress See, on. See, this is the thing we need. That, that we need the heights of people in the wiki pages. Well, well, Dale Gregory, I think, is 6'5". No. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's very There's tall. There's no way he's 6'5". Yeah, five. he's 6'5". Yeah, he is. He's, well, if he's 6'5", then she's not that small. He's just a big, tall she's guy. She's uh, 5'9", I bet you. No. There's yeah. no way she's 5'9". You think she's smaller? Oh, she's got to be 5'2". <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. Well, you know, the funny thing is we don't know because the the, the great internet knowledge. won't tell us people's heights. I, I love how someone in the chat room was saying, hey, man, it's David Gregory, not Dale. <laughs> <laughs> what an idiot. Welcome to the program. <laughs> enjoy. Enjoy. Enjoy the show. Yeah, have fun. <laughs> It's David. <laughs> oh. So what else we got? <clears throat> um, wrap up. Well, actually, we got extra time because I think we killed like 10 minutes while I was trying to get yeah, my we mic do. to work. We do have. Well, and so, I, so did you know there's carbon tax in uh, Canada and Australia? I, am, I mean, Australia, we know yeah. it's in Australia, yeah. but California and Canada? No. In California? Listen to this clip. I, I, they, on C-SPAN, they play this. First time I've ever seen this. The Australian Parliament... Right. This is the most, for one thing, the setting is just depressing. It's like something Stalin would have put together. But it's kind of modeled after British Parliament. And they have the same kind of thing with one side asking questions. And the, the uh, in this case, uh, uh, 
Well, actually, we might as well play her first. Jillian, uh, Gillard is is uh, Gillard. She comes out and screeches about one thing or another. And to get an idea, because she's so sedate when she was with Obama, yeah. to get an idea of what this, parliament's, this parliamentary back and forth sounds like, especially with her screeching, play the Gillard screeching clip, which is one of the little back and forths they had in their parliamentary session, the questions and answers. I don't know if they're as rigged as the ones in England. They probably are. But you can get an idea of what this sounds like. The live cattle exports, the biggest budget deficits in our history, its failure to protect Australia's borders, the introduction of the world's only economy-wide carbon tax that it promised would never happen. And I ask, Mr Speaker, given the Prime Minister's Failure to act on Saturday to prevent 48 hours of avoidable chaos. How can she expect the Australian people to have any faith whatsoever in this divided and directionless government? <laughs> Erectionless? Order. Order. The Prime Minister has to call Prime Minister. Uh, <laughs> Prime Minister. Thank you very much, Mr Speaker, and to the Leader of the Opposition, I say, gee, it's getting a bit embarrassing for you now, isn't it? There he is with his chance of negativity, comes in here every day and he's clipped together his little negative slogans, and he's done that with a sense of desperation today because he's in cover-up mode. He does not want to be asked when he knew what he knew about Qantas. Did he know an hour before the planes were grounded? Did he know 24 hours before the planes were grounded? Did he know 48 hours before the planes were grounded? Did he ring up Qantas and suggest the planes being ground should be grounded? Who knows what role the Order. Leader of the Opposition played in this dispute? Because he is in cover-up mode. Having screamed for the truth yesterday, having Remember screamed for, for the truth... <laughs> the banshee whale. <laughs> oh, she's a banshee. Yeah, she's terrible. So she goes to the G twenty, and this the, the the this guy named Swan, who's the associate assistant. He's the, like the vice president. He's the vice prime minister, I guess, a vice. And he comes up. To, he's the substitute, acting prime minister, to answer this crazy question. The stuff that he says. Is like, what are you talking about? This is a complete, as far as I know. I don't know that California has a carbon tax. Do they? I haven't paid it. Or, or is it somewhere that has been hidden from us? I'm not sure, but listen to this. The Deputy Leader of the Opposition. Thank you, Mr Speaker. My yeah, question yeah. is to the Acting Prime Minister. Yeah, yeah. I refer the Acting Prime Minister to the Canadian Foreign Minister's categorical statement last week that Canada and the United States will not introduce a carbon tax or an emissions trading scheme. Given that the government's modelling of the impact of the carbon tax relies entirely on the introduction of similar schemes across the world, how can the Acting Prime Minister continue to claim the government's modelling is credible or is he suggesting the Canadian Foreign Minister is wrong? The Acting Prime Minister. Well, I would have thought it's very clear we have a different policy from the Canadians, Mr Speaker. But anyway... Order. But, Order. Mr Speaker, there's a few points that ought to be, ought to be made Order. here, Mr Speaker, because the context of the question uh, is the in Deputy Leader of the, the assertion that somehow the there is no carbon pricing in Canada, which is simply untrue. 
the Canadian provinces of British Columbia and Quebec already have carbon taxes, Mr Speaker. So, we didn't hear any mention of that. And, of course, we don't hear any mentions of those states in the United States which are putting in place carbon pricing, Mr Speaker. This is what I meant before, Mr Speaker, when I said they live in a post-fact world. They simply try to ignore the basic facts, Mr Speaker, when it comes to any issue, because what they want to do is to simply play politics, deny the science, deny the facts, Mr Speaker. And we see that on display in here time and time again. So Alberta also has a form of carbon price. As I said before, Quebec does as well. And we've got California, the eighth largest economy in its own right in the world with carbon pricing, Mr Speaker. But what does all this come back to? (laughs) Mr Speaker, what all this comes back to is that that side, at the moment, happens to be dominated by climate change sceptics, Mr Speaker. The science is in! Science! Wow. No, I didn't know about that. I'm not sure that this sounds like it's all bogative. (laughs) <laughs> it's totally bogative. Wow. I feel sorry for the Australians putting up with these people. Well, you know that the um, <clears throat> report came out that um, uh, Australian businesses are not allowed to uh, advertise their prices have changed or gone up because of a carbon tax. That will now be a punishable offense. It'll be punishable? Yeah, by law, I guess. Why? Because it, it's because uh, it's a slave colony. It is a slave colony. If you can't even tell the truth to the to the people buying your products, I'm telling you. Why has the price gone up? I can't say. They'll throw me in jail. That's correct. Go ahead, consult the book of knowledge. I'm telling you, it's it's right there. It's crazy. Hmm. Yeah, it's not. It's not necessarily a very good thing. Well, as a change of pace, I do have some bad acting. For, I, for the first time, I actually watched the show Nikita. Oh, really? Is that the worst thing ever? You know what they screwed up? They should have had Mickey playing uh, that role. She would have been great. I don't... It's, I can't imagine being... I mean, I'm sure it would have been better, but this... I was, it was just here's a little bad acting for just a change of pace here. With no security, I'm sure you could just walk right in, put a bullet in them. I'm going to Russia. And I'm going to kill him. So don't try to talk me out of it. How do you plan on getting into Russia? If you had division support, you could hop a C-130 at a Ramstein parachute in. Oh, is that how Captain America would do it? Lieutenant Commander, <laughs> and yes, I would. Semok still has his own division hunting you, remember? He won't see me coming. Yeah? Zetrov owns two airlines and two shipping firms, which means Semok has every border official in his back pocket, land, sea, and air. There's no way Alexander Udinov gets back into Russia. She doesn't. I'm going as someone else. What was wrong with the C-SPAN? Was there nothing on there this week? or It's all a book TV. and No, there wasn't. Uh, well, I, I, well I got the C-SPAN. I got the thing from the, the Australian Parliament from C-SPAN. Okay, I, I got a little thing, a little ditty from C-SPAN. So uh, uh, Lucifer is out in, uh, Hawaii, in Hawaii. Yeah, that's the other thing. Everyone's vacationing right now. This is the vacation time of year. Yeah. They, they usually go someplace where it's warm while the public is stuck in the United States. You can barely get out of the country. Uh, it was Well, it's nice and snowy. Right. Except where you are. Uh, it can get pretty cold here. You know, we have uh, hailstorms is what we have here. 
Yeah, that should be fun. Yeah, well, literally, you're, uh, a garage is not a bad thing to have. So, um, Hillary is out there with some CEO of something or other, and she's doing a, a photo op. And then in the background, a Hawaiian dude dressed in one of those Hawaiian garbs with like just a little uh, a little pouch uh, covering. You know, you know what it looks like. No. Yeah, you know, he's just he's got like a little crotch g-stringy thing on, and he's carrying a torch, and he runs by in the background. <laughs> but her her response is just uh, yeah, it's a clippity clop clip. Oh, here we go. Here he goes. He runs by. <laughs> People wonder what the chief executive is doing. (laughs) She made the implication that it was Obama running by. (laughs) Who knows? That's what she said. It sounded like it to me. Who knows what the chief executive is doing, she says. Yeah, there he goes. Yeah, there he goes with his little loincloth on. Loincloth and 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 everything short of a spear. (laughs) So funny. God, I hate that woman. Yeah, well. She's not my favorite. So there were a couple of uh, interesting news reports in uh, Gitmo Nation Lowlands. It took me a while to figure it out that it was a promotion for a movie. Uh, but ah. Yeah. Uh, and the, the movie opened up in Europe first. It's a, a kind of like a docu-movie. Um, and the the, uh, the Cancer Foundation in the Netherlands came out with this big uh, uh, press release saying, we're no longer giving any money to pink ribbon foundations. And uh, And the crux of what the news reports were saying was, uh, it turns out that these pink ribbon organizations, if you look at their annual report, and which I, I did take a look at, but there were other people who had done it before me, so it was easier for me to parse it. Um, you know what? You have like, oh, I mean, if you just if you just look in the store, you got like uh, pink cooking wear, you know, pink clothing, special pink ribbon this, pink ribbon that. Turns out that they actually send none of the money to cancer research. All they do is make more pink stuff and pink parties. And uh, there's a documentary out, and I'm going to play the audio uh, of the trailer, uh, half of it, which is uh, about a minute, which is pretty good, called Pink Ribbon Inc. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah, and it's, uh, it's making a huge splash in, uh, in Euroland. And, you, and, and, and it's what we always say about these bogative uh, charities. Since our inception, we have donated over a billion and a half dollars. We do use a lot of upbeat music, and we try to use a lot of words like inspiring and and hope. If you are a breast cancer survivor, raise your hands high above your head. Can we take a step back? What is going on? We're missing something big. Raising money has become the priority regardless of the consequences. If people actually knew what was happening, they would be really pissed off. (laughs) The first ribbon was salmon-colored, made by a woman named Charlotte Haley. Estee Lauder came to her and said, we love your ribbon and we want to make this a symbol of breast cancer. And Charlotte said, no, that's about your bottom line. They said, well, all we have to do if we want it is to change the ribbon. Pink. 
It is hypocrisy to use carcinogens in products and at the same time be raising money for a cure. As you can see behind me, we handed out 12,000 bottles of Honest Tea and Honest Aid today. It's almost like our disease is being used for people to profit. And that's not okay. So you really need to see this trailer, and I can't wait for the movie. <laughs> it's great, though. I mean, it's so so spot on, man. This bogative... Uh... Yeah, there's one bogative thing after another. None of this ever surprises us. No, it doesn't. But, you know, uh, I think we've actually talked about it on the show how crazy it is that people get, you know... And, and you know, and uh, by the way, Miss Mickey, I think, has also fallen for this. You know, she's like, oh, you know, the ribbon, it's a symbol. But when you find out this was invented by a woman, it was salmon colored and she made the uh, the, the whole ribbon thing. And then it got taken over. It got hijacked by Estee Lauder and they made it pink so they could sell products that actually have carcinogens in it. But they give nothing like 0.1 percent of the money goes to cancer research. Where does the money go? Into into making more products and uh, parties, bunga bunga parties. Well, the party the party angle seems to be acceptable to yeah, me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Have a good party. So that's all I got for today's show. Yeah, we have the uh, Maynard interview with uh, Sir uh, Dave N three PRO. As a final clip of uh, as a as a show closing clip, uh, I hope you're okay with that. Yeah, anything Maynard does is fine with me. Yeah, I love it. You know, we need to, we just need more Maynard. So he's uh, he's actually talking to Eric the Shill about uh, contacting more knights, which is great. It's funny. Right. It's Eric the Shill has done a good job of keeping the night. We don't we don't give away our night addresses or anything. It's just the way you know we. Yeah, there's like a whole so they buffer have to zone. Be cleared. Yeah, yeah, you got cleared. Maynard could talk to him, and then yeah, it's like Scientology. They could become buddies. Yeah, <laughs> just like the Scientologist. You have to be. Cleared. They become buddies for all we care. You, you know? have to be cleared. All right, you can find everything that uh, we discussed today, uh, including some of these uh, uh, fine clips of banshees screaming, in the show notes at three five eight dot dot com. Uh, hopefully we'll have a little more C-SPAN action uh, for our Thursday show, which will be the fake holiday of Thanksgiving. And we'll be here with the greatest podcast in the universe. Coming to you here from Camp MoFo with a little bit of echoey sound in the background uh, in the central of the Lone Star State. In the morning, I'm Adam Curry. The central? Yeah, the center. You mean the center? Yeah, that's what I meant. And from Northern Silicon Valley, I'm John C. Dvorak. Oh, yeah. You mean Berkeley. We'll talk to you again on Thanksgiving, everybody, right here on No Agenda. How did you find out about No Agenda and what excited you and what were they talking about that made you decide to become a knight? Dvorak on a twit, but John did his, ah, it's, it's all... It's all bull. Yeah. We deconstructed that on No Agenda. So look, no agenda. I said, if John's doing it, it's got to be interesting. When I looked on there, I saw about Adam Curry. I kept thinking, Adam Curry. I know that from somewhere. So then I looked it up in the Book of Knowledge, and I thought, oh, MTV. I grew up in the 80s. Now I know. Don't you love the fact that John's always such a great contrarian? You, you really expect that. You, you won't want him any other way. 
when was the moment you decided that's it? I want to be a knight of the round table. I want to join them for their hookers and blow or whatever they got going. I don't know. It just seemed cool. I started as a uh, five dollar a month. I was on that plan, and then when they did the Deuce Club, it was two hundred. I don't know. I just started saying, you know, why not? So when I did it the first time, I thought, wow, that kind of cool. So then I did it again. And uh, what's your favorite part of the show? I mean, do you like the first half, the second half? Is there a new meme they've started up lately that's really rang your bell? I just, I kind of like it all. I like it most when John and Adam disagree, and they both disagree with with the mainstream media clip that they play. Because then you get three different points of views. You got the mainstream view, you got the crackpot view, and you got the buzzkill view. And it really makes you think. And that's what I kind of like about it is it's not the this is what you need to think about it. It's It really makes you think about what do I believe, what don't I believe. It really makes you think about it rather than just being a sponge and just absorbing it. And what has been the reaction to your friends and relatives? What do you find is the easiest way to broach the subject of the uh, No Agenda show with them? Have you tried it out? Yeah, yeah, once in a while. It's fun seeing a reaction. I normally get the deer in the headlight look first, like, huh? And then they normally turn and say, huh, that's an interesting point. It's fun because you start seeing the wheels turn. You start seeing them start to think, huh, I never really looked at it that way. Did you get a night ring? Yes. Have you used it for anything? Have you put it away in storage in a safe somewhere? I'm kind of afraid to wear it. That thing's heavy because <laughs> I might lose it, but I have it on my uh, key ring. So I normally carry it with me that way. Cool. Have you even used it to make any wax seals of official documents? No, but I, I did see people doing that. That's kind of cool. What about those people out there that might be on the fence about making a bit of a donation? What's your word for them? Try it. As you get into it, to me, that's what I like about the donation model is it makes you feel a part of it. It's more than just, I don't know, it just makes you feel a part of it, which makes it mean even more to you. You know, if you're just sitting back and absorbing it, well, you know, you take it or leave it. But when you donate, you feel a part of it. And it means a lot more to you. Be a donor. Don't be a boner. Dvorak.org slash NA. And do you wish to be known as Sir Dave of anywhere? What, what would you like your title to be, by the way? Yeah, you can go on my uh, amateur radio call sign, which is the November 3 Papa Romeo Oscar. Are there many ham operators you know of that listen to No Agenda? Yeah, I found out there's actually quite, actually quite a few. So if everything goes down, the hams will be there? Yeah. I think I contacted about 15 of them. I think the Australians get into the show because we've got a tradition of just having fun with just about everything, including politics and even very serious things. That's kind of the attitude that, that I like. I have come to the point in life where, you know, to me, without humor, life ain't worth living. I hate people that are way too serious. Thank you, sir. Sir 3PO. Enjoy. Thank you much. Dvorak.org slash N-A.